I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where I try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Shankle. To his left is... Daniel Killen. And to my right... Kiva Sweeney. And to her right... Hari. Bam! Hey, hey. Kiva sort of said that, like, you know, like that you're not seeing Anchorman when I was at the question mark. So, Kiva Sweeney? <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is that my surname? <laughs> here? Yeah. What is here? Uh, what is life? <laughs> How many drinks do you have before this podcast, Kiva? I don't know. How many is many? And there's your answer. Hari, sorry, could you just uh, give us a, a, a refrain of that voice that you tried to do while we were playing the intro there? What? It sounded like a, a, like a, 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 a dark regent, if I would say. Can't do it again. How was everybody doing? Uh, <laughs> it wasn't even that. It was. I'm fired up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fired up tonight. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's like Matthew Kelly by way of some price. Compare that to Matthew Kelly. Oh, well, obviously, Vincent Price. Well, Vincent Price is fucking. Oh no, I've got against Vincent Price. Who either of these people are. Vincent Price is no, a, you Vincent know the thriller outro is all. Matthew uh, Kelly's just that wanker who did fucking uh, Star Wars. Matthew Kelly's a nice man. I won't know? have How this. How do you know? How do you know? I just he seems sound. I don't know that. Did he? Did he? Was he not taking off stars in their eyes for? <laughs> no, he was falsely accused. Oh, oh, Let's not even bring this up. No, no, no. What, what was he taking off for? I know. No, 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 Matthew Kelly, lovely man. Stars and Eyes, underrated show. Probably the fucking pinnacle of the 90s. Definitely. Michael Bresson, how's your week been? Stars and Eyes was shit. No! No, I, I loved it. it. No, no, no I, I agree with you. No, to be it, fair, there was, all, there was two I, shows. It was I, on a blind date. I watched it every week, but it was the most pointless show in the world. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. 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 It's just, that's like what spawned all of the shows that we have right now. <laughs> yeah. There's like yeah. countless channels and countless shows of pointlessness. Watch including the show Pointless which is actually quite good Pointless is fucking absolutely incredible ah, actually just going back to Stars Rise did you ever see like sort of parody they done of Matthew Kelly after the whole kind of child abuse accusations but that essentially just ruined his career I can't even remember what kind of sketch show it was 
but uh, it was this actor playing Matthew Killian. It was on Stars and Race, and somebody was asking him, oh, Matthew, who are you going to be tonight? And he's all, tonight, I'm going to be getting my career back on track, and he comes back out, and then it's him again. It's fucking <laughs> It's so weird as well. I thought it was like less talk movies, not less talk, more terrestrial TV. <laughs> Dude, no, like, <laughs> if you're not from the UK, you won't get any of this Even, sort of even more specifically, terrestrial TV from the muddy late 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really showing a rage here. <laughs> but I'm sorry, the, the Holy Trinity on the Saturday nights on UTV was Stars and Rise, Gladiators, Blind It. How could you even... Better than The Godfather. Well, you, 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 you couldn't even what say ITV, thing? you said UTV to make it even more obscure. <laughs> <laughs> tonight on UTV. Hey. Oh, and tonight on the UTV, I'll fucking Pat Butcher's gonna fucking... Pat Butcher's <laughs> standards, yeah. you're immediately wrong. Exactly. Get out. You're mixing up your references again, Harry. Well, fuck these standards, Carnage. They're both shit. <laughs> <laughs> they, they both are. Hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make East Enders be on ITV. Hey! <laughs> oh, fuck you, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, great, good idea, Jen Freak. I was like. Right. <laughs> I want you to introduce the danger bottle as Julian. Uh, oh, please yeah. do it. <laughs> By the way, uh, for any listeners who don't know, Julian is an exceptionally uh, effeminate and camp man who uh, basically does the interludes of any shows on UTV, which is uh, Ulster Television. You, well, most, mostly the, Carnation Street. What do you call the, the news broadcaster in The Simpsons? Camp Rockman. Camp Rockman. Right, he doesn't sound like him, but he quite looks like him. Yeah, <laughs> like he I'll wears some that. suits. No. He's got like light like, hair. Really? He's, he's pretty much yeah. got the same skin tone as well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he's on a serious about the Santa Fe town. Like, is, my mom always mutes him because he literally tells you what's going to happen in an episode. Imagine you had that like before a movie. It's like, well, tonight you're going to have like Iron Man fight whoever, but then somebody comes out and talks. Imagine that happened like before a film. Like, it just I don't know oh, that'd why. Oh, be so good. Uh, it would I mean, be Dan, it, like Dan it does. It's called a traitor. <laughs> oh. No, but. All I'm saying, right, is like obviously. Did for... he invent traitors? <laughs> <laughs> Bring the voiceovers back. It needs to be Julian. <laughs> Did you just call him UTV man? <laughs> That's who he is. He's a new superhero. Man. I swear to God, right? this all joking aside, and I even told me and Harry were loving each other in Belfast. I told them this straight away when I got back to the house. I was walking past the Queen's Student Union. We were loving each other, and I was over in the corner from our house, and I walked past Julian outside the Student Union. He was doing a wee butt outside, probably fucking chatting about the next twist on Coronation Street. It was the first and only time in my life I was ever starstruck. I was like, fuck me, it's him. But like, you know what? Like we're saying there now, it's him. And he has that orange. (laughs) (laughs) In real life, like them lights are doing him no favours whatsoever. Apparently, he's a bastard though. Really? I've heard stories. His parents aren't married. No. Do you know what the worst thing is? There was actually, there was a documentary on, I can't believe we're going on. On Julian? Julian. There was a documentary about Julian on UTV. It was like a kind of, (laughs) Julian, I swear to God. Behind the laughter. Behind the spoilers. Behind the Santa Fe. You can fully believe like he's a massive cokehead. Snap coke off your hole so much. But there was this, there was this uh, like retrospective of his life and stuff like that. <laughs> and the big thing about the fucking the big thing about the documentary, this was the big reveal at the end. Is Ma didn't die until she was like well in her nineties, and she died not knowing her son was gay. I'm sorry, like <laughs> 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 holy fucking hell, he's like the most blatantly gay man you ever seen in your life. And now you're on the UTV. So <laughs> well, <Harry. laughs> Danger bottle in the style of UTV man. Okay, no problem. And now let's talk more movies. We have Rick Horderleg, Premium oh. Passion Fruit Cider. Oh, these are quite expensive. Thank you, Harry. Or Julian, no, but... should I say? 
My name's not Joey, and fuck off. <laughs> pure cider blended with passion fruit made from pure Swedish spring water served well chilled. <laughs> What's the percentage needs bottle? 4%. Lovely stuff. These are fucking delicious. I've had these. They're like the kind of lesser known copper. Right, so I have... Well, they're it's not. not it's not. It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. they're less recorded. Like yes, it's but that's like, a big bastard scene, isn't it, Jim? No, no, it's not. Re- it's not. It's recorded. Like fuck off. Get them in the cup. Get them in the cup. They are in the cup. Yes, happy days. You've come prepared. So what? What flavor is this one? Passion fruit. Oh, these are really oh, tasty. So I like these a lot. So uh, did you just kind of be a, a cheap bastard and just buy one and split it between five cups or what? No, I bought three bottles. Yes, three for five. And is it that we get a different flavor at each other? Is that what it is? No, it was, uh, there was no other flavours apart from the <laughs> <laughs> Definitely going out to definitely short to stock right here. <laughs> this is my option. Did you buy these? Well, it's, it's off passion fruits, essentially. I thought that's nice. I like it a lot. It reminds me that's of, like, way. Rubicon. I don't know if you've Oh, mango Rubicon. juice. That's Rubicon. so good. Yeah, rocks. It's so good. Goes down easy. It doesn't uh, and Well, in comparison to last week's. Sweet, loving Jesus Christ. I mean, only Dan wasn't here for last week, but what did you call it again? Topaz? Topaz. Topaz. It, like still, it's not, I, <laughs> when I, whenever I was putting uh, my drink in Ricky's fridge tonight, I still seen the bottle down Aye. the fridge. We need, we, need, been, we need to crack it out tonight. I've no. been talking about it all week. I mean, oh. I've been talking about it. Right. I went to work and I was like, guys, you'll never leave this disgusting drink. See, after about four hours, I was like, I have this class drink. Like, I felt it. I reckon Dan you should have we try with the next I reckon Dan needs to Dan, uh, come under the no, fold mom I reckon he has to have this experience right, well, it's so like, I, I think Kiva should you're run saying, down and get it in the fridge I'll get it it's I will f- can I go. right I'll go right oh. in all fairness oh. Dan uh, the description the we Dan I bought myself here oh big time oh look at Kiva running the stairs as well pour yourself aye there's shot glasses oh no don't don't get one for us it's just for Dan I no there should be shot glasses in the top jar I refuse listen to the teeny, the teeny tiny tatter of uh, Kiva's people and instead of just <laughs> <laughs> that's sound design <laughs> oh, yeah. the production level is going through the roof these ah, episodes are somewhere spent serious about the morning these things these days but uh, no in regards to this drink that you're about to drink okay last week we kind of says that it tastes like lustrine but with this awful salty fucking oh. back taste but a lot of the times we've had danger bottles on the show, we've kind of said, oh, you know, they're really bad, they're awful, etc., etc. But, you know, they haven't been as bad as what we've made out. Maybe, you know, first fucking test, it's like they're really bad. This is the worst drink I've ever had in your life. Ah, I swear to Christ. Really looking forward to it. I love how right. Mickey's, like, getting right. his phone can, primed. Can you can you give me some light on Dan, the video of this? It's, uh, by the way, Dan, also, it's colour should light fucking send a warning signal. It is jet black. Get your, put your light on this, Dan. Uh, how strong is it? it right, it's Dan, like 29% or something. You got a, um, yourself... Look at the label. Pour yourself a shot. Okay. Okay. You need shake you got it. Well. Uh, this, uh, this has oh, been Oh, I give chilled. it a wee shake for you already. Oh, okay. Oh, by the way, Hurusta means shake in Icelandic. We found this out last week. Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's from Iceland. All right, fair enough. It actually wow. really is from Iceland. Yeah. The country, not the shop. Yeah. It was brought back <laughs> as a present from Mickey's sister. Which is yes. way lovelier, but at the same time, I think I might have been a very, very cruel fan <laughs> of yeah. Joe. I see what we said there last week. She was delighted with herself. Okay. Here we go. Mm. That's fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just lustring. Do <laughs> you not get that salty so aftertaste? Fucking what salty. Fuck, what is that? Like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and like. then someone told me they make um, a spirit uh, 
and I saw and made mainly out of fish, like rotten fish. So Delish. I mean, did you ever hear about that? Like, that drink, you know, when there's like there's cows like in if fields and they like, they don't do anything for ages, and then they get bored every once in a while and they just like run on the electric fence and really hurt themselves. What? That, if you're in Iceland and there's fuck all to do, they drink that. Like, yeah, that's, that's sort of the same idea and I think that you know that's just a punish that's well, awful I, and the what even is that like how do you make that that's, that's what we're wondering we can't find the ingredients most of them are in Icelandic we don't have a fucking clue oh. no worst thing is though it's only 27% you know you imagine it's like absent or whatever like 60% they get you really drunk see, but, uh, uh, see after having to go through a test you would at least expect that day by about 75% or it, clean proof it's quite licorice isn't it oh it's horrendous man uh, to be fair though I knew you would get the licorice yeah. I knew, uh, knew. he's a super tester chocolate's here man <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, you can't miss every taste that's in that bottle. <laughs> it punches you up a fist. Oh. There's no subtlety in that bottle at all. Could you Shall picture Dana like a... Yeah. Like I'm just in shame. Like, like Dana like a James Bond-esque sort of keeper film. The name is Dan. Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I know the power they sell massive amounts of Easter eggs at Easter. You can have Easter. like molten caramel. <laughs> 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 just scalding toffee and all. People dying like we have like smiling our fists. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived a good life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what have we watched this week, folks? Well, I don't know. I think you should probably start it off because me and Harry all watch the same thing. Um, oh shit, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> just oh. last night. We watch Hello, darkness. <laughs> 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 Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Which is one of the supposedly biggest releases this year, and it has been getting dogs abuse. Dawn of Just Piss. Hey, hey, you've been thinking about that all day, haven't you? I literally just thought of it. <laughs> really good for being uh, on the spot. Like. I, no, I thought, today I thought of, of Shat, Shatman v... <laughs> V. Pipperman. I was coffee thinking like, oh, V. Superman was a V. Bad. Don't just shit. <laughs> like, you know, I was, but you just beat me to everything. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, great minds think alike, but so do the really small ones. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, because you're obviously mental about superhero films and it's kind of your thing, I want you to delve on that first because I was, <laughs> I actually thought that when we came out of the cinema last night after the midnight show that I would have enjoyed it, but I didn't think that you would have such a such a negative reaction on what you did have. So he burned no. down the cinema. It's <laughs> thousands are dead. Like. Mm. <laughs> Mickey, you're not supposed to be in the room. Like, you're <laughs> yeah, man, you should really look. Hey, for yeah, a while, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's been we last do this po- podcast every Friday night. Last podcast for a while. And about would have been feels intense enough from the time being. Once that helicopter on the roof, you'll hear it. No, yeah, it's it's. I actually, I just want to say, I actually thoroughly, really enjoyed the film. Please. But for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a stupid fucking film. And just I, I, at a certain point, I was like, okay, are we doing this? Okay, let's do this. And then I was just on board for every fucking ridiculous fucking oh, thing. Oh, you, you mean, like, oh, this is the moment my brain turns off. Like, you know, yeah. I'm no, no, not no. This, this, is, this is when I fucking sat up right in my seat. He's like, okay. We're doing this. <laughs> I just had to shift gears for a second. <laughs> but uh, it's so it's just so stupid. <laughs> it's like there's there's not because there's so many things I want to say about what actually happens in it, but I don't I don't want to say too much because pe- like obviously people might have still not seen it and stuff, and you don't really want to 
Yeah, like, I haven't seen it. So I like. There's a really big, stupid fucking plot point that Sham probably knows what I'm on about already. Just, just say it. Just say it. I mean, <gasps> no, 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 I can't say it. No, but it's not, not even well, so much. It's not even so much a plot point because I mean, everybody knows that you know, fucking Superman and Batman are going to be beating the shit out of each other for two and a half hours. Everyone knows already that it's that long. It's two and a half hours. It's two and a half hours. like everybody knows that they get together in the end and kind of get together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Homosexual relationship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see, you know, the, the, Hollywood's the, finally accepting uh, the, really the, the surprise like, ending is that Superman is pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, you should, I think, Withstand the force of the kicking. I think essentially you should get. That's a good Mallrats reference. I like it. <laughs> but I think I think that uh, I, th- I think that you should go onto the plot point that kind of makes them become friends because I think it's ridiculous. And all fairness, I don't think it's a massive spoiler because everybody knows that they can like, you know start working with. Well, each other. trying to be like, uh, yeah, I lost my parents at a young age. So did I. Well, from <laughs> hey, let's be yeah. best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just from... become best friends. Yep. <laughs> you like wearing suits? I like wearing shorts. <laughs> Gotham, so much room for activities there. Like. <laughs> Remember the third trailer of Batman vs Superman? You even knew for a fact that they weren't going to spend the entire film fighting each other. But see, oh, we, when they showed Doomsday and right. we discussed that a long time ago. I I don't know what the fuck they were thinking about that trailer because that trailer actually, was like three months I, Actually, long. if you look at that trailer, because like, we were talking about at the time, it it seemed like it gave away too much. It is plot every plot. Yeah. Oh my god! It's all hit in that trailer. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is. It is if, if you just want like a condensed version of the film, just watch that trailer. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a brief summary. Like of the for film. beat for beat, it's it's there. Like, Michael, I'll let you handle this plot point that we're kind of dancing around. No, I'm not going to say it. No, don't say. Let's it. Let's say it. Come no, on. Well, it's not even that fucking big. Like, it's just that like, no, stupid. Is it a spoiler? Yeah. Go on, please record that and use it from now on. Just like, <laughs> please don't leave that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you get what I meant. <laughs> That's all, dude. No, we'll, we'll, we'll do like a spoiler special or something. We'll go all on it at some point. But no, what I was going to say about the film, it's a stupid fucking film. There's, there's just... No, because right, at the very beginning, I can talk about the beginning because it's the very beginning. It starts. No, it starts. It starts off like a Batman film. It's Batman on it. <laughs> it starts off like a Batman film. Like the first few minutes is you just see Batman's man dad die and what? And be really sad about it. Like. I've never seen Batman. You this. <laughs> what does Batman? What does Val Kilmer do then? Fuck <laughs> Val Kilmer. He was a decent Batman anyway. Let me make you his point. Is this no. Tim Burton's? Great argument there, honey. <laughs> he was a great Batman. No. <laughs> The years of research and study that went on that was phenomenal. That's anyway, Michael, I know it starts off with Batman in Metropolis, and it it goes back to what's happened in Man of Steel, and you see Superman fight, fighting Zod, you see Bruce Wayne bitten about driving towards his building to try and save everybody. But even that's fucking stupid because one, he's not going to save everybody because it's a building full of people. But he's on the phone telling like the, the the manager of the building or whatever, "I'll get everybody out." As the manager of the building's on the phone, you see a giant fucking spaceship out the window, and then he decides to go. Oh, okay, okay, the boss said he leave. Come on, it's like, it's like, oh, you need Bruce Wayne's fucking permission permission to leave the building when there's a fucking space fight going on outside, like. So fucking shit. That's just tap eyes. I haven't seen the film, right? But. I just even think like the premise of them two being nemesis is a bit silly. Yeah. Like, ne- nemesi. 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 <laughs> I apologize. Nemesi. Those nemesi 
Oh, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> that's, I think that's I when just, they have a baby. Yeah, that's yeah, a general can, possessive they, of nemesis. Yeah, yeah, they can fight for a bit, but I'm pretty sure like they would yeah, become chummies. Like, I think become chummies? Chummies, <laughs> <laughs> you chummies is my new favorite word. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Like, yeah. even if you're not really into the kind of back catalogue that these characters The batalogue? The batalogue. Uh, like, you know, you, you're pretty fine worst. that they don't have too much not in common. To be, they're not enemies. They're not in the fucking tree. This is what a lot of reviewers are kind of jumping on the fact that it was completely unnecessary to have them kind of face off against each other. I mean, I think that a lot of reviewers are now kind of basically point to the fact that the only reason that they face off against each other is because Doomsday is your kind of just your kind of standard CGA monster that they shoehorn under like the last thirty or forty-five minutes. So they realize that they didn't have enough. They run on with Doomsday, so it's like, oh, let's just make Batman and Superman fight for like a fucking hour and a half and see what happens. And even the scrap that they have, don't get me wrong, the actual scrap that they have is pretty good. But then it just becomes, it just seems really lazy because the fact that they've built up that Batman and Superman are going to face off for the first time ever, and people have been within this film for like 20 years and the amount of different productions it's went through and it's kind of failed now it's finally on screen the fight does like it's just a kind of standard fight that you would have seen in any other like superhero film the, the between thing, like, Batman and Superman or be, between Batman and Superman I it's it 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 feels very rushed I said that, that last night that and the Doomsday fight feel very rushed which is weird in a, they say in a two and a half hour film but do you not think that the actual two big fucking fist-offs between like scraps. Uh, two scraps uh, two scraps <laughs> between obviously Batman, Superman Wonder Woman that's not a spoiler you see here in the trailer and Doomsday and then Batman and Superman they seem rushed but considering the fact that it's a two and a half hour film there's so much dead but there's so much fat in that first like hour and a half that they could have easily got rid of. I, well, the, I I said last night they could easily take a half an hour off this film just without with taking out all the slow motion shots. So many, There's so many yeah. slow motion yeah. shots. Slow motion shots. Any, anytime anybody walks, it's in slow motion. Who directed it again? Zach Snyder. Snyder. I, I knew uh, Snyder though was so stylized and over the top. It works see, very well. Well, you see, that's why like oh, like the the fights and the action all it all looks great. I mean, like say oh, what like you want. Three hundred type thing is, it, is that sort of gritty or I, basically yeah. yeah. But you know, say what you one about Snyder you know, he can make a good looking film like and yeah. everything looks good and uh, oh, what else was good just kind of more positive things about it it's, all the performances in it are, I think everybody's great yeah. in it yeah. you know Ben Affleck's a great new Batman I think Henry Cavill was always a good Superman because I, I like Man of Steel as well. <laughs> I fucking, CGI is man it, is it literally just CGI no, it's no, like I think, no I think Josh Michael Bowen. Shannon did was, he actually do some? Did he actually do some stuff? Because hey, hey, mine, we talked about it. He he accidentally let it slip. Like he had like fins on and doing like motion oh, capture. And okay, all. Michael Shannon. And all fairness, I mean, this is I, this is speculative for me, but he said that and he's in the film I as was, a corpse. Like, so. I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was being I was being quite negative and saying, oh, you know, Doomsday's a kind of standard CGA monster and stuff like that, which he is. I mean, it's, there's not really that interesting about him. He is just this big beastie who can kind of hold his own against Superman, and he's a big threat because obviously I mean, Superman's invincible. Look? Like but that's what I'm saying. He, he actually looks amazing. Obviously, for the amount of money they spent in the film, you would have to expect that he's going to look good. But uh, wow. just no, ju- <laughs> just going back to the thing that you were saying about um, Ben Affleck, I think for me he's the best thing in the film. I think, yeah. considering the fact of, uh, and we talked about this last year, the amount of flack that he got and even taking on the Batman role, uh, and nobody wanted him, but, well, not nobody, but like a lot of people didn't want him as Batman. There was you know, like a really big negative reaction in the internet community and stuff like that because they all had their own personal opinions of who they wanted Batman to be. I think he's kind of done away with them naysayers. I think I'm just 
today I really pity the fact I pity him in the fact that well fair enough I don't really pity him because he's probably left at about fucking 30 million off it but I pity the fact that he absolutely loves the he character of Batman. Really wanted to do yeah. a fucking good job, he, he, you know? he loves mm. the character yeah. of Batman. He's always said it's his dream role. He's a, he's a massive Batman fanatic. And then there's this, obviously, meme going about today, the sad Ben Affleck kind of YouTube video where he's just sitting there all sad, you know, when he's getting questioned about the, the negative reports and stuff. And I, in a way, I don't like that because it just shows he cares. And it's just a pity that his first installment of Batman had to be in that film. Because I think, no, you... I think that that'll unlock a lot of doors. I think that they could definitely again reboot the Batman franchise, and I think they'll feel positive and confident about doing it with Ben Affleck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I will say he he'll probably direct the the Batman film as well. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, that, that'd be classic. Uh, I think I think it was announced a while ago that he's helped writing it with some guy. Another thing about that Batman, obviously, I think they took a lot from the Frank Miller in the late eighties Batman. Uh, Dark Returns. He the, is. It is the small ears and stuff. It is obviously we've seen like you know Val Kilmer, Michael Keaton, and you know Christian Bale's versions of Batman's and stuff like that, and it's more about the fact that you know Batman is a complete moral guardian and he doesn't kill people and he only arrests people and you kind of make them face justice. This Batman has no problem whatsoever. We stabbing people and blowing people up. And like literally, he, literally, yeah. he literally uses guns and stuff like that. Yeah, like I, he picks up that's, guns that's, that's fucking uh, weird though. It like, doesn't the, the, best the whole, the whole do thing it. about Batman is that Maybe he doesn't he kill people. No, but see, the Frank Miller version of Batman is he, actually he I, 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 exactly the, the Frank yeah. Miller version of Batman is picking up when Batman is in his late forties to fifties, and he's, I know, went, I know. he's went through this sort of moral guardian phase for so long uh, that after, he just realized that it's not working. Joker's Yeah, and he has to get more violent. Can I retract? Like. I didn't realise that was the style of Batman. Mm-hmm. Then I kind of wee bit see maybe why a Superman figure might want to stop him. Yeah. So that that is something that what? they definitely play up to. But then it's this sort of thing. I don't that know. Like if they're. they're if I know they the, the, that the, their actual the, fight kind of seems legit because like Superman's all like, oh, is Batman boy? He's going about mental. Bra- he, like he brands people with bats. Like the words. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then uh, Batman is just like really. Like fucking scared of Superman because like he basically destroyed like a whole city and yeah. he's saying he can destroy the whole world. Okay. And shit like I don't, I don't think it was cool too. Like I think it's the first time you ever. Oh, see the ba- story is solid. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like it's the first time you ever see well in any incarnation of Batman I've seen anyway that it's the first time you see Batman scared when when he first goes like he wants to stop Superman at the start because he thinks he's this like alien wrist and he thinks that you know basically with like a, a flick of his finger he could like ruin mankind and he wants to stop him or pull him away because he's you know too dangerous. He has like you know a, a literally a lethal weapon like. But I think when he then goes to fight him and he sees just how strong fucking Superman is. That was when you said Lethal Weapon. I just made the connection of like Richard Donner Superman and Richard Donner Lethal Weapon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, mm. <laughs> just Mel Gibson's fucking Superman. But now, but now, but I, now yeah. see, I want to see Mel Gibson play Superman now. Well, yeah, no. Big, massive, tan head. Isn't he just because he's big, big Julian fucking massively anti Semitic fucking Superman just now. But oh no, he's not racist. He's just Australian. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. See, when he first actually comes, they have a scrap of Superman. You do see a bit of fear because I think then he realizes, "Fuck me!" Like this boy is ridiculously powerful. And fair enough, he's got the wee like kryptonite gas canisters and stuff like that. They kind of slow him down. I think that's handled pretty well. I yeah. think it's handled believably how a human being can actually have a scrap of Superman because obviously he has the advantage of kryptonite. Yeah, I thought as well for me just in a sort of pretty much in a sort of way because it just looked cool and I thought it was a, a pretty cool idea coming from like a 15 year old perspective the kryptonite spear I liked a lot I liked that I thought uh, 
I, I thought it was a spoiler. But it's nice, dang cool. It's, yeah. No, it's but it's kind of stupid as well because fuck it, I'll just talk about it. Hey, <laughs> Spo- spoilers for Batman vs Superman. Skip like five, five minutes. No, he gets he gets his hands just on this big bit of kryptonite, and then it becomes it like a, like a kryptonite montage. Of him training and also developing these kryptonite weapons, like with is it like an actual montage? Uh, it is a montage. Just oh. doing, just doing like he's, fucking he's, barbells with a kryptonite. No, he's he's, <laughs> he's bitten the fuck out of a fucking big tire. No, he he really needs to get the roof sorted out in the back cave though. Ah, There's rain falling. Seriously, like a general couple of summers or something. Why is it all like the rain bouncing off his body? Ah, basically, yeah, so hot. He looks, he looks really hot. Like I mean, he looks an absolute fucking he's, animal. He's a fucking absolute beast. Absolute fucking beast. See what I see. <laughs> But see, see, I was like, about to say feast. <laughs> he has a feast as well. But see when I seen like the eyes and mouth. when I seen those clips in the trailer. <laughs> it was it was nice seeing that hitting people in different stages. I was, I was, I was like a shockwave. <laughs> but no, anyway, back he gets this big lump of kryptonite, and he's the, he's he's part of this. He gets his what, Mickey? Big massive langer of kryptonite. <laughs> and fuck it, fuck Superman up all. The late hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I. Let's talk more movies. After dark, after dark. But it's a part of this montage, right? And then you see, you see him with this laser and all, and this. It comes to this big reveal that he's basically just lasered the thing down into a point. <laughs> like, he basically just stuck it on a pencil sharpener. Right? <laughs> you know I mean? Like it does, it does look kind of cool, but it's also just once again just stupid that they build it up there. Oh, that does look. It's my best idea. Just like, spike look. Um, billions of points, like but it's got a big sharpener. I know, no, that's all. It is. But uh, I like Ben. Ben Affleck's good, really good as Batman. But I think like Jeremy Irons is a great Alfred as well. Nice, and Lawrence Fishburne is fucking hilarious. I think he's still, he, he, he still is. But I was luckily about to bring up a point. I think I Lawrence love, Fishburne. I love him. He is. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne is on there as the comic relief, and he does exactly what he's supposed to do. He the, is the comic relief. The, the funniest moments. <laughs> oh, it's so so good. I the best line. Fucking uh, Clark Kent's on about him about the Bat Vigilante and all's here. <laughs> Barry White goes <laughs> headline. Crime wave in Gotham. Also, water wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Although, in, in all fairness, because and this is another thing that you kind of have to look at, where they're they're sort of pissing and, and the actual script itself, which has massive amounts of problems. It's two and a half hours long. So much of it is spent kind of doing the same thing, and you know, not really getting you fucking anywhere fast. But with characters like Jeremy Irons, Alfred, and like Lawrence Fishburne. You don't actually spend a lot of time with them. I mean, like yeah. they don't have that many scenes, and you would actually like to see more of them. They don't obviously. It's a Batman versus Superman film, so obviously they're going to be the main focus. But I think they could have given them a bit more time. Especially my main gripe is see at the very start of the film, and this isn't a spoiler because it's only in the first like maybe 40, 45 minutes. There is a subplot with uh, a senator who's played by Holly Hunter. Um, and this boy who Bruce Wayne saved out of a wreckage who's now Wally. King Wally oh well, Wally. So your friend's called Wally right okay, that's, <laughs> like, that's one of the first lines in the phone it's one of the worst lines of dialogue I've ever heard in my life I, this, oh this, you're Wally your friend's this, called Wally right he's lying with no legs Bruce fucking chill out like you know I, what I mean it's <laughs> the first thing Bruce Wayne says to him man we trapped under like a big girder he's clearly lost his legs oh Wallace you, friends call you Wally right? like, <laughs> fuck? fuck off Bruce let me alone like just get me out of here he but I fuck know. off Bruce I, leave me alone but that that subplot which takes up I'd say in the first 45 minutes it takes up at least a good 15 minutes and it's so boring 
and I noticed as well that I think Snyder was definitely trying to do like an all the president's men sort of fucking political cover up sort of thing. He tried to shoehorn it at yeah, the start, yeah. and it just doesn't work. There's no need for it. like your fucking films two and a half hours long already. Get rid of that. Nobody a, gives a fuck about these characters. A great thing in this you film know? though is that uh, I think Zack Snyder stumbled upon something very key going forward in every film ever. All conversations with Amy Adams should happen in a bathtub. <laughs> so unnecessary. <laughs> so unnecessary. Oh, but you get... It's not even side boob. It's like three-quarter it boob. It's, like, it's, like, it's full boob until nip. It is. And I'm it's surprised like, it's they like got, all, all, yeah. all you see is no nip. They got, a, they got away with that in the 12A. I was very surprised. That's called an oob. An oob. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm saying that She's nice oob. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. But no, yeah. Because it's not see a what? boo. It's like a <laughs> Yeah. Oh, she's got lovely boobs, but her boobs. Ah, so, so <laughs> like, just agree. Amy Adams has a nice rack. That's it. <laughs> oh, what a creep! That's a creepy thing you're saying. I know we didn't make it creepy. Ooh. What? We were just talking about her boobs, and you brought up a rack. What the I hell, man? Not cool. Man. Not fucking cool. We were only talking about three quarters of it, not. Yeah, you're on a 12A conversation. You jumped straight to the line. You didn't even come of Batman and Superman anyway. Straight to R-rated. Mikey, it wasn't just a podcast. Well, yes, she does need. R-rated, baby. But see what I liked about the film is that they show Batman. They show Batman as an actual fucking detective in it in comparison to... See the way he's displayed in the comics and even the games like I'd be a massive gamer and the Arkham Knight and all that there yeah. games and he's shown as like a ma- you know he's, he's the world's greatest detective I world's greatest detective and that's what he's shown as in the film as a detective before you show the show fighting like they obviously have a very different fighting style compared to what what's in the Christopher Nolan films like Christopher Nolan hey. films he's always just like a kind of grounded fighting style whereas in this it's like well, a, acrobatic. Kind of. A, a, pro- I, I a proper s- rock bottom someone on yeah. point. <laughs> Probably does. I definitely get that too. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the fact that they have the Frank Miller influence and he's way more violent. And this one, he's like way more a brawler and he'll uh, just kind of pick up uh, shit and smash people in the head with not. Whereas with Bailey's version, and I think near enough every other version of Batman, it's more sort of martial arty. You know what I mean? Uh, this boy, like, I was even joking with you in the taxi on the way back to my film last night, but in like the fucking massive fight between Batman and Superman, and this isn't really a spoiler because it's just ridiculous, like you would think, oh, Batman versus Superman, what would Batman use? They finally knock out Superman. It's going to be like a fucking, like the biggest weapon of all time. He literally rips a, kitch- a fucking kitchen sink out of a wall and just smashes him over the head. <laughs> oh, that's a pun though as well. <laughs> I know, like, Everything about the kitchen sink. Maybe I, I think it was a bathroom sink too. Oh, fair enough. Man. I'm not, I'm not well at my sinks. Like, can I just say those, well, in terms of like, Plot-wise and everything, I would say, you know, Batman versus Superman seems like a logical step, you know, because that's the way the sort of comic books went. And then, as well, you have, like, Civil War coming up. And it just sort of seems that maybe the films are following the comics maybe a bit too strictly, because I don't think Civil War is going to do that well. Because in terms of comics, you know, they could do it over loads of issues, loads of editions, and give the sense of scope. Like, if you ever see the poster for, like, uh, you know... Civil War, whenever it happened in the comics, yeah. you had hundreds versus hundreds of characters. Yeah. It was really that was up like over a two years thing. Yeah, massive. You know, like they really went for it. But now, if you yeah. actually look at the in film, the, in and the, the film trailer, they have like ten people. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really seem to work. They're, they're in a far tighter time frame, and you know, there's you know less time for it. Even this sort of thing now, they have like a teenage Batman again. I mean, I'm sure they have a black Batman, so enough because that's what they did as well in the comics. But what's going to be next? Is it going to be like Marvel Zombies or whatever? Once they like you know finish this sort of 
around. It's just sort of things that maybe maybe they're sticking a bit too tightly to the source material. Well, no, yeah. it's it, I wouldn't say they're sticking tightly to the source material because I can guarantee, like the Civil War film is completely different from the Civil War comic book. Even just even what what they're fighting about is completely different. They're they're essentially right. just using popular comic book names and then making their own story. Right? I mean, like Days of Future Past is nothing like the Days of Future yeah. Past comic book. Yeah. They're just kind of they're 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 keeping enough there for the fanboys that kind of know about that shit, but also just making it palatable to large yeah, audiences. Just, well. Day, Days of Future Past, the comic book, it your man uh, Bishop, yeah, who's back in time, was Wolverine. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, I think in terms as well, though, I mean, it used to be that it was sort of like, if you talked to someone and said, oh, they're a Marvel fanboy, it used to be that they didn't really like the comics. But now there's way, you know, it's such a huge, big thing. There's more fans of Marvel that just watch the films. Yeah. And maybe even own the comic, like, which I'm not saying anything bad about that. I mean, it's their decision, whatever. But yeah. it's such a huge franchise now that I think maybe they're playing too much lip service to the comics. Mm. Do you mean they could, no, they could go off and do what they want? Like, See, I think, um, like, like you were saying, it, <clears> is gonna, it is going to come to a certain point. I think it's going to come to a certain point even in the next couple of years where rather they're going to have to start mining more obscure sort of a comic series or comic storylines or they're just going to have to start coming up with like original content for the actual films themselves, which in a kind of reverse way might even make them more interesting because first, yeah, yeah. because first of all even fanboys because let's be honest like you were saying there, there's a lot of like uh, kind of kids or maybe even like kind of adults who've never read a comic in their life and they kind of follow Marvel or maybe DC through the films and even though they've never read the comic I mean the internet is the great tool you know I mean you can read anything even before you go really to watch it and they'll maybe have an idea of what's going to happen but it'd be pretty cool if like a bit of original content started to happen where nobody's got a clue what's going to happen mm. and you take this character who's been so well established over decades and then maybe done new things on because I think they're going to have to they're going to have to go that way after Civil War because that's the last great massive fucking all-encompassing storyline that Marvel have done like, well there's that sort of thing where like, they do like well, they or, yeah, yeah, but, yeah they split in like different earths well, and uh, everything yeah. don't they it's yeah. all really strange I don't think they're going to do that Like they could go that way it sort of I mean, seems that way with the bloody different Batmans and Spidermans we're getting I think so and especially I think that uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy that was key they actually going under the Infinity War thing too yeah I think that's how they they related Guardians back without having anybody in from like without mm. referencing like Iron Man or any of the Avengers I think it was they were a part the of keys, the, the yeah. Infinity Stone show. but uh, back to Batman a problem I, I had with is it felt like they were putting too much stuff in from the comics because there's some Dark Knight Returns stuff in there and there's some like Doomsday stuff in there and all and if it's like the like there's one bit in particular that I really talk about, but it felt like they just put that in there just to have that very stock visual f- that was right from the comic books in the film. But it kinda there's no reason that why that happened, kinda. Yeah. There is just for the actual shot and the, Aye, the it's just just yeah. just the actual because because when I seen it I was like, Oh fuck, that's from fucking Dark Knight Returns, eh? There is a couple of uh, ju- well, we'll try and wrap up now because we've been talking about it now for quite a bit. We'll get on to what obviously like uh, Keenan and Dan have watched, but uh, if we're looking at DC as, and their sort of future aims, I think it's in this film they definitely are setting their stall out. They're definitely saying this is where we're trying to go. We're obviously trying to set up the Justice League because there is a couple of cameos in there. I mean, everybody knows that Wonder Woman's on it. She's on the trailer. And no fairness, I mean, I think that Wonder Woman is possibly one of the nafest and most dated characters of all time. She's good, I, huh? I think that she actually and a couple of reviewers have said she nearly saves the film at the end yeah. when she actually appears because she gives a new energy and I think for me who'd always hated Wonder Woman because I've always thought like like kind of Superman and like Captain America she's very dated very no 30s 40s golden age of comic books and stuff like that without having to do that much in kind of 
twist in their character. They made it very modern. But they don't have yeah. to. I think if characters like that, especially those kind of characters that are in, ingrained in your mind and your memory, yeah. they have to do very little to, to change that and yeah. to surprise you. And maybe they should have had it. I haven't seen the film, but maybe they should have had it in it but earlier. It, it is. I mean, I, I just, I kind of, I think towards the end as well, because. Um, You've kind of seen Batman vs Superman, and you know you've kind of seen Doomsday, and you knew that was coming because of the market material, and you knew like that, that he was going to be the kind of big bad at the end. Seeing her, then I actually thought that she would have had a way smaller role, but she, you know, she has quite a big role towards the end, um, and it's, it's good. It just kind of breathes a, it's a breath of fresh air. The last thing we have to talk about, which is the main gripe from every single reviewer, is Jesse Eisenberg as yeah, Lex Luthor. He was awful. Absolutely horrendous. No, nope, well. Um, there were some yeah. bits that I thought he was kind of alright, but I thought when he was actually going and do, doing his plan, plan evilness bits, then he would have got way more serious. But he was still doing the same, same kind of fucking kind of character. So, so, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not irritating in the fact. Oh fuck! I really want. Batman or Superman, they smash his fucking face in. It's did more, you, he's so irritating, I just don't want to see him anymore because he's you, just did so you, great. Did, did, you hear the theory, did you hear the theory that it's based on Max Landis because he did American Ultra and oh, that was wrote by Max Landis? <laughs> Actually, I want to see the day from one reviewer as well. They said that it was almost like uh, fucking Jesse Eisenberg has been cryogenically frozen for the past five years and he just came off the set of the social network and they put a wig on him because <laughs> he just comes across as like Mark Zuckerberg. He's like a fucking comic book that, version that, of Eisenberg. That is a thing about Eisenberg no. as well. I mean, like, he's, he's quite a good actor, but he's a very limited range. He's sort of like Hopkins, no. is he not? You know, I mean, he's, he can't do. He can do what he does well, but if he doesn't fit the tone of a film, like he can't like adapt. Well, I think it was even more. I, I've seen him play way more serious, and if he actually played Lex Luthor serious, which is what Lex Luthor's supposed to be, as opposed to like this sort of like we're saying this like sort of Zuckerberg esque sort of upstart billionaire who's. Really, ju- like I don't mind the jokiness because the jokiness at the start kind of worked and it kind of made him a wee bit unsettling because he seemed unhinged. Yeah. But then there was no seriousness after that. It was just all jokes and like very flimsy and wishy washy. And I was like, fuck Harry. this No, there was a point, see, after we came home from the cinema last night, I seen like this article on Facebook had just come up. It's called, Would Jesse Eisenberg would have been better playing, playing the Riddler? And it came off. See, to be honest with you, he actually came off as playing the Riddler better than fucking Lex Luthor. Aye, because that, that's... Maybe, yeah. maybe that's the twist. Yeah. <laughs> but even and still, the like, the, the Riddler's yeah. someone... Well. He's one of Batman's enemies who comes off as always showing off his intellect. Mm. And that's what he comes off as in Batman Superman. Aye, as a guy who, well, who's Lex. smarter than everybody and he's... A narcissist and everything, you know. Well, that is supposed to be Lex Luthor as well. But well no, there's, but there's a quirkiness to the more this yeah, kind of really exactly. sinister kind of precisely. Like he, it, right? he's, he's not this man who's fucking this kind of you know jerky kind of man who fucking gets on the way he does in the and, film. And those he's more this kind of, stuff. He's just more kind of quiet. And, you know, like he's a businessman. You know, up front like Bruce Wayne, but behind behind the scenes, he's really really sinister. Yeah, and I I did there was no. There was some scenes in the first maybe 30, 40 minutes where he's quite sinister, especially in the stuff where like that, that senator Holly Holter was playing. But then after that, yeah. he just ate a lot of then just dumps on the proper comic book material. Like, But is that his just, fault or do you think the script's not there for well, him? Well, really? I think, it's, I think it's, it's his fault. I think it's Zack Snyder's fault. I think it's a script. I think it's just a collective thing. Right. It is a to be, on, a be honest thing. with you, I really enjoyed the film. I did enjoy it. You know, so did I. You know, it's something that you can really, really watch. 
but there is faults in it. There's massive flaws. I mean, it's one of those ones is that I think, like you were saying at the start, like I mean, if you just kind of switch your brain off and and kind of go, you know what, I this we're doing this, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was expecting, I was expecting this level of film, but obviously the writing's not up to scratch. Right. It does. It looks amazing. The scraps are good. Cable's always been good as Superman, like Mikey said. I think. Sorry, ben, who who was that? Cable is not cable. Cable, 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 cable. There's his one. There's one. There's one. Yeah. one every podcast. <laughs> Henry Cable's always been a good Superman. Uh, I think Ben uh, Affleck's put two fingers is, up the most. Is people. Wonder Woman Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot? I always thought it was Gal Gadot. Yeah, yeah, I see. I I always assumed the silent T, but I heard people say Gal Gadot. I think it might Gal be Gal Gadot. Gadot but really? I Gal Gadot. Well, I, I prefer Gal Gadot though. But no one's called Gadot. Like where's that from? Gadot. Like she's just really. Yeah, she is. Really. Cares. You can make up your own name, man. So they include. Great bard on no, Netflix. Yeah. Great scraps. Uh, yeah, 10 out of 10. That's just unbelievably sexy Wonder Woman. She is phenomenal. She is a phenomenal looking lady. I no, she is classy. I would have, I would have per- preferred thicker thighs for my leg. <laughs> it's okay, Mickey. Like if, if, if you if you ever on. see any incarnation of Wonder Woman, she has some <laughs> thighs on her. She could roll. She gets the old at one point could, as well. She could roll like an actual large cigar in them thighs. Like, <laughs> well, Gal, Gal Gadot can just can barely roll a wee fag on hers. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but I compare her thighs to just roll the fag. Well, what do you do with your thighs? Like? <laughs> Fuck off! Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but someone love. Eat some chicken thighs. Get out! It looks good. Some good action on there. The script is horrendous. Affleck's sweet. He's kind of put away the naysayers. Oh. The rest of the cast is good. Also, they make, shite. they make Batman seem actually like a psychopath. Yes. <laughs> Which I like. What the, that's, that's, I, I that's like them kind of mentally thing. unhinged. I know. Thing. That's what I'm saying. I like that. Yeah, it's fit more on that Frank Miller thing. Exactly. But yeah, it's uh, massively flawed. But I mean, if you're just up for a bit of fun, then go see it. I'm, I'm, By the way, I'm super Affleck. excited. Affleck is class. He is very good. He is very. I'm just super excited for the rest of all like DC's universe films because if they're all this stupid and ridiculous, we're gonna get some fucking shit that's gonna be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fucking really positive way to look. I'm so excited about it because. Oh, just the thi- the things that they could come joy. up with. Joy, just joy and It's fun. just pure unadulterated. Loads of You well. know what? That's the, like, I, I hate to introduce myself, but that's literally what I watched this week. Wow. Go on. A comic book film that fills me with just joy. What was that? Tank Gern. Boom. Ah. Oh, you're always a big fan of that. Oh, oh I love it. I've always yeah. loved it. Um, 1995, it's directed by, I've got it written down, it's Rachel somebody. Rachel Talali? Talali? That sounds good. That sounds good to me. Right, and it stars Laurie Petty in the the main role. From Tom Petty's sister? And it's also got Ice-T. Boom. And it's got Naomi Watts. Oh! It's a good cast. Was she about that then? Is she the eponymous tanker? No, no. No, Laurie Petty is tanker. Tanker is... um, She's a kind of girl who drives about in a tank, but yeah. the the scene in the film, so it's ba- it's based on a comic, and there's a lot of scenarios they go through, but the film, the 1995 film, is based upon the scenario that there is like a limited amount of water on the world. There's like no water. There's water, but there's like it's controlled by much like Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's ve- oh very much, very yeah. much like it. Um, our, our even life. even stylistically, um, it's very desert set. Um, Stupid. Although a lot of 
now the start of Mad Max is underground and the rest is above ground. Tank Air starts above ground and then goes underground. Different that way. Flippy flippy. Flippy. Yeah, not, it's not a parallel. It's a flippy flippy. That's a technical <laughs> term. Tops it over that motherfucker. Um, but it's it's a it's it's a super it's a comedy. It's it's just all about laughs. So there's people who control the water, and they're supposed to be very very scary people. But the role that Tank Air Laurie Petty plays makes you just laugh at these kind of scary characters they literally control whether people live or die yeah. she just it's a joke like mm. it's a joke to her and you think it's about you're like you're gonna get killed but then a wee bit she kind of gets you already getting killed and is it very like sort of punk orientated or like steampunk it is in steampunk terms like the I've never seen it at it's all massively it's always been one of those things that you've always Steam recommended steampunk <laughs> yeah that's, that's well, yeah punk. like I can see it like the the way they dress so the opening scene uh they live in this kind of house where they're siphoning they're illegally siphoning they're pure hippies they're illegally siphoning water aka right now you're growing pants siphoning free love man (laughs) and um they are very much dressed in like much mix match clothes and making their own shit and everything's just yeah it is quite steampunk and they have weapons their weapons are quite steampunk Mm. um but they're obviously overcome by the the forces that be, and then the story follows through. Tank Air trying to find her, like I I don't know if they're related, but she's looking after this young yeah. girl, her trying to find her and and escape, and she meets Naomi Watts, who's quite innocent, and she's a pilot who works for the man, the waterman, <laughs> and she she's corrupted and uh, then it's just about their escape story and it goes all underground you meet Ice-T who's like a half kangaroo dog man <laughs> but there's like a no there's there's like a race of them they, they're like they're soldiers they're chemically engineered soldiers I don't know if they're made they're like half man, half kangaroo and they fucking rock Mangaroos. Yeah. they jump <laughs> like they they're class but uh, and then it's just madness and do, it's fun. Do you know what I've always got from it? And just bringing up Tank Girl, it was something that we talked about a couple weeks back. A film that's always reminded me of it is actually Big Trouble in Little China because I think that Jack Burton and Big Trouble in Little China is like Tank Girl yeah, in Tank Girl, and the fact that she's supposed to be in this sort of serious B movie setting, but she doesn't really give a fuck and she doesn't really yeah. realize what's happening. It's she doesn't a, yeah. really care. Whereas maybe Jack Burton is supposed to be in this B movie sort of. Like mismatch of kung fu film, but like he thinks he's John Wayne, he doesn't really get it. Like, but I've always got that, and I, I love, I love shit like that. It's definitely like a a parallel, though, like a reverse almost. I, I, I love it though. I mean, like I've always, I wouldn't say think years on my favorite films. I do enjoy it, and sometimes like we always talk about this. You can get bogged down sometimes and talking about fucking, you know. The classics, like if you're sitting talking about like the likes of Bergman or Fellini and stuff like that, there and how serious it is and what they're musing on, you know, the, the sorry still the human condition and blah, 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 blah. But then sometimes you just want to watch a film, it's fun. Well, like, you know me, I mean? me, I love Tank Girl in the same way that I love Mean Girls. Yeah. And not just because they have girls and the <laughs> girls in them. Because you love girls. I love girls. I love boys. I love everyone. It's all good. <laughs> it's not about that. But I think there's, there's certain kinds of films like those that, that have a an element of everything and they're lighthearted and I think they're yeah, as you say, they're easy to watch. But I mean, they they give that kinda 
theatrical yeah. imposition. The the costume in them is very good. The yeah, it's yeah maybe not technically, you know, really great cinema. Yeah. But the way they counteract imagery with the the soundtrack that they've chosen, yeah, it, it, it works it's, well. It's offbeat. It's, you know, it it, it makes think you think, doesn't it? Yeah. I think. Yeah, maybe it's not something they study, but it's definitely something they enjoy. Yeah. And I think it's 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 one of those things too, but not only with Saint Girl, uh, with it being sort of fun and easy to watch and stuff like that, but there is sort of like the element of danger. So I mean, like there's the sort the sort of dramatics. It's fair enough. It might not be the, the biggest dramatic stakes you're ever going to see, and you're not going to be in the edge of your seat, but yeah. it still adds like a sort of momentum to kind of get you to the end. Yeah, and uh, as well, you can act like very elitist and stuff like that and say, well, you know, this is what makes a good film, but this is this or this is this. But you know what? If it's fun and people enjoy it, then each their own. Then why not? Yeah. I agree. I agree because I watched that film like 15 <laughs> times. <laughs> <laughs> I will like watch it one 15 after more. If I can. Oh, not in a row, but like definitely like <laughs> once a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Kiva, just after last week when we were talking about uh, my recommendation was Whatness. Have any tried the Whatness technique this week now? Well, just, just, just oh, for the da- last five minutes. Yeah, just, just for Dan, who wasn't here last week. Uh, my recommendation was Whatness, and essentially, uh, I was uh, telling the good folks here that uh, the first time I watched Whatness by Peter Weir, the last five minutes are in complete silence. After like this kind of big shootout and stuff, I got there, and you're thinking, "Fuck, this is really like this is a massive directorial flourish." I, I really like this is like really ballsy and you stuff. I got the there. Like, I had some saying yeah, the microphone sorry did you sit in the remote like, I was thinking what a fucking unbelievable directorial flourish Jesus Christ am I like I can't believe I haven't heard about this scene before like you know people are speaking but you can't hear what they're saying you have to lip read and stuff like that this is fucking class and then like you predicted then I so, rolled over in the remote about five minutes before in complete silence that is so, one of the funniest things I've ever heard in the last <laughs> so you know what you know what as well man it just sort of speaks to your own pretension <laughs> I know, do you exactly. know what I mean it's like fucking hell uh, Peter Weir's really going Jesus, for it here like. it's unreal yeah oh man that's awful <laughs> But please, <laughs> for, for, for admitting to that. <laughs> but please, for the listeners and for the people out there, do the witness test and films. Do the witness test. If you're watching a film, mute the last five minutes and see if it makes it better. Well, Star Wars. I mean, you wouldn't. Would you not? You wouldn't get the reveal of Darth Vader being Luke's father if it was on uh, Empire. Yeah, but the same thing will really yeah. fuck your head. Yeah, but I mean, like, what the fuck's going on? Mm. Why is he falling off? Or why is his hand off? Oh, why do, why I mean, why why no, you still see it. What if he had subtitles on there? Oh, we see that. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that that negates the witness test, right? Please, do try the witness test. That's the shitness test. And all for this, going going back to it. I mean, Batman versus Superman, Donna Justice. Uh, if we would have done the witness test, maybe for the whole two and a half hours, then maybe it would have been a better, better film. Like, but that's not quite the case. Oh, I think everybody should do the witness test this podcast. You just made it last five minutes. That's generally when we're at our drunkest as well. So, yeah. I just write off recommendations. Uh, Dan Kelm. Mm. I actually watched uh, two films very closely related uh, The Shining mm-hmm. and Room 237 so, which is uh, are they right. two different films? <laughs> <laughs> have you not have you seen Room 237? no right, it's, no but isn't the room yeah, 237 yeah. Oh, it's yeah, about no. the shame. room 237 no, is guys shut up if it's not based on Stephen King I don't care <laughs> <laughs> no I do care <laughs> tell me no room 237 is when they got uh, six critics or you know, critics or uh, people who really looked into the shining and they got like their sort they of they asked versions. me I was buzzy I know I was <laughs> <laughs> I was too, too busy pelling chocolate myself yeah. as well as a nightmare I was too busy being that only and <laughs> <laughs> dragon loads but uh, yeah they asked like six critics to uh, people who have these sort of theories with the shining to come in and talk 
and they're able to like you know show you different stages of the film and you know highlight why they think it's about either you know american uh genocide you know of native oh, americans or mani- yeah manifest yeah. destiny yeah. or whether it was kubrick sort of telling us that he actually stays in Manhattan with the government or whether it's about just that you know uh, jack nicholson jack torrance had sex with uh his son Danny, you know, but these people, like, you know, what? present. Yeah, no, that that's a huge theory that about what the shine's about. And to be honest, it's one I actually believe. There's a huge. Yeah, because he is at mm. the Barbie now. I did hurt him before. But then there's also theories as I well where there's. When he said he hurt him before, he, you know, I always assumed that he, you know, he hit him or slapped him. Yeah, no, but, but if but you see the way he tells that dialogue, and if you look at the different reactions in his face, they. They're like crazy different. He's going through a lot of emotions, and that seems like uh, and yeah, and yeah. He's but also, an actor, also as well, if you like well acted part. Yeah, but if you look actually as well, there's a scene where uh, Jack goes upstairs and he looks across down this hall, and you have this man in a bear costume who seems to be you know uh, giving a blowjob to this other well dressed no, man. The wife, he's uh, sorry, my actually the wife. Yeah. But yeah, either way, you know, they see this sort of scene. Danny, all the way throughout the film, was actually acquitted with bears a lot. You know, he, you know, he has a cuddly bear. He's, you know, wear bear clothes, that sort of thing. And it's not really something that's really told, but it's sort of like in a nightmare setting. There's these sort of relations that are made. But a large part of like Room Two Three Seven, which maybe some people might think, listen to this podcast, is that a uh, sometimes during the film where like they're talking over the film, you know, the, the Shining. Uh, you'll have the person who he'll turn around and start like telling off his children while he's recording and some of their theories are so crackpot i mean they don't make sense at one stage somebody stands up and he says if you pause at this exact second this man looks like he has an erection so this obviously is bringing sex into the conversation but you know no normal person would think that doing looking at it and the, the actual is he taking that out of context of like one of those group shots like no it's, it's, it's a very it's a, it's a boy who uh get jack torrance into the actual hotel he's called Ullman, and like he is very much made to look like uh john f kennedy that, that's a deliberate thing you know in the film you know it's not, some of it's about america a great deal like but there's one shower many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. He goes to stand up and... Like there's like a pencil sharpener as well, where this man says it was obviously made to look like this man's erect penis because there's like a sexual thing going on. And when you're actually looking at Room Two Three Seven, the documentary, you sort of look at it and realize this film's not really about. So some of it's about like The Shining being this amazing film that you know captures the imagination. That's fantastic. I love it. It's my favorites. But some of it's also about. God, some people really go on off the deep end. Yeah. People really commit themselves an awful lot. 
and it, it actually to me sounds like a bit of a warning sign. Yeah, I, I think as well from watching Room Two Three Seven and all these like you were saying crackpot theories. It is one of those things though that see when you kind of get bogged down in like really really deep analysis of certain films and stuff like that, especially ones that are kind of prime for analysis like The Shine and people love kind of delving into Kubrick and stuff like that. You then kind of realize just how filled with bollocks a lot of analysis on not only cinema but a lot of cultures it is literally people just picking some fucking ideas out of their hole and being quite analytical and quite articulate about it because watching Room 237 for me was interesting because obviously it was about The Shining which again like yourself was one of my favourites but it was also interesting too just to see how far somebody will run with the smallest idea you know what I mean oh no completely I mean but it's one of those things as well though I mean I know when I turn people sometimes and they like they want to talk about like a film I really love I will like jump in the deep end sometimes and to them I think I'm making perfect sense but they'll probably be looking at me like I have two heads and like Jesus Dan really reads a bit too much and do all that sort of stuff but I know I mean there's sort of like a balance you found there and I, th- I think if you if you don't look at certain films that sort of way like a film like The Shining if you don't look at all the sort of layers yeah. that it has you're not really seeing the whole picture yeah, exactly. and I'm not saying I know the whole picture but at least I'm chipping away at it I'm yeah. getting closer right. I watch an awful lot but you can go too far sometimes. There's, a, there's also one thing I want to say just about actually delving too much on the film and stuff like that. The way I presented it there now, it maybe sound like it's a bad thing. That's not the case whatsoever. I absolutely love the fact that not only film, but any sort of art form whatsoever, there is the ability to read whatever you want on it. And fair enough, that seems very logical. You know, you can kind of think whatever you want about a film and stuff like that. But I suppose, technically for me, that's kind of what art does. And I, I cannot, sometimes it... Unless the theories are that out there, then I'm like, you know what, I've just kind of switched up. I love hearing people's theories. I mean, it may not have been in the wildest dreams of Stanley Kubrick that somebody would have ever read that film that way or any of his films in those ways. But if they do read in that way, then certainly that gives it more layers and that kind of gives it more prominence. And that makes it I more kind of, I think it, it makes it more uh, important, I suppose, the culture. Because not only are you getting these new ideas from it, but then it's starting this discussion. And then through that discussion, people then maybe make their own art in regards to that discussion or that sort well, of thing they, I mean, like, you know, a lot of like meanings that come through like you know art and uh, you know if you're watching like a film it maybe it's multi-layered but even if it unintentionally has a symbol in it or it unintentionally says something with something in the background you know just because the director or no one ever intended yeah. for that to say it just because you see it does not make it any less valid precisely than, and which precisely. becomes you know the actual once the art is out there like you know a film or whatever which is why I actually dislike director's cuts and stuff but you know, if, if once it's actually out there and everyone can view it, I mean, if you take something from that and somebody else takes something completely different, there's nobody who says, oh, well, the director meant this, so you're wrong. That's not the way it works. Yeah. Do you know I mean? It's out there for everyone to experience and enjoy. Because, I mean, there's so. been there's been so many directors who have came out and there's been these massive, you know, fucking intertextual and they've written to their films and, you know, a lot of these directors come out and says, well, I never intended that whatsoever, but I'm very, very happy at the fact that people have seen this and maybe ran with it and there's a certain new aspect to it that maybe I never actually poke up on. Which is a great thing because then it starts discussion. It kind of gets people engaged more, and then you know it just. I, I think personally, discussion like that generates new ideas, which then bleeds itself into art again. So it's almost like you know a coming full circle. Yeah. You know I mean, so if you've got those ideas, then maybe you'll think about writing something about it. Maybe you could do a good article, or maybe you could think, oh geez, well I I seen that in that film. Maybe I could write a script, or maybe I could direct it this way. It's 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 always gonna. It's always for the benefit of the art form, I think. Yeah, but I will say, you know, well, obviously, there's no such thing as objective truth, and that's what I expect it, but Deckard is a replicant. <laughs> <laughs> and hand that shit first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that's not even up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> you watch the film, you see that happen. Wow. <laughs> If no, that's no, up no. for debate, saw, literally I, anything's up for debate. No, I, I don't Greedo, think so. I, like, you know, I think he just pushes the world down. <laughs> no, 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 Greedo shoots and then hands sort of, you know, no, no, he doesn't. The yeah. I saw that, you know, once. Uh, that, uh, that was the Redux one because that George Lucas is all, oh no, shit. I can't have my hero looking like a fucking murderer. So I'm going to just. That's the whole point. He's a rogue. Anyway, I'm not getting into it. Um, <laughs> rogue one. Talk about it. Boom. They should have called the Han Solo film Rogue one. Oh, he, what is Rogue one? <laughs> you, did you think that was the Han Solo? I don't think it was. That's the Rebels going to get the Death Star plans that they have at the start of the original Star Wars. I totally think I know what you are all about just because I play this PlayStation game. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what you're That fucking Battlefront one. Oh my god, I'm addicted and I'm Battle so shit. Kiva, do you, do you want to throw out your username and then maybe somebody will add you? No, please don't because you'll judge me because I'm <laughs> ruin your team and... I don't do it on purpose, but I'm just bad. I feel next By the way, her name is Less Talk, More Kiva's XOXO. I actually will tell you my <laughs> username, and you will laugh, and I'm not. This is the fucking truth, right? All small letters, all actual letters. I suppose <laughs> no they want our letters. No spaces, right? <laughs> I don't even want to say it out loud. Loser for life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is that loser with an S or a Z? Uh, an S? Oh, just like proper, like, the, the best thing about that is on PlayStation, you can't change your name. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I'm I dying to see you that now. So you literally will be a loser for life. Oh, <laughs> okay, bro. And I think every time I'm about to start a match, well, I'm really ready who, for it. And I you're the man who first... But I'm a loser oh. for life. So. Aww. Aww. It's okay, we all love you here. You've got friends here in a friend circle now. I uh, think at PlayStation should let me change my username, please. No, it's, no one can. That's the point. I wouldn't even mind, like, poser for life. Just well, change the LDFP. Poser for life or something? <laughs> yeah, my, that my, bro- make me better. my brother as well, back in like the old heady days of Xbox Live when it first started, his name was uh, I Suck My Balls. So, uh, <laughs> I suck my balls. Suck my balls. So uh, they contacted him all. You have to change it, but you know you can't change the full. Oh name, no! But, but they're allowed to. He has to change it, but I'm not allowed to yeah. change mine. But they said you have to change it. But mm. you're only allowed to suck my balls at hotmail.com. Suck my balls is his name, and they're all. You have to change it, but you know we're not paying for like a full name change. You have to change one letter so that or. Yeah, one letter so it doesn't it's not offensive anymore so he then became for a while suck my bulls and then remember he became Fanny Blaster 3000 he, as well. was, he was also <laughs> Fanny Blaster 3000 Jesus also go on the, uh, the, the same guy Aye, the same guy also go on the sucks balls and Fanny Blast <laughs> going on the old embarrassing uh, email names too Dan made me my first ever email account when I was 15 and he was oh man I've made Jesse email and I was like, oh, alright sweet what is it it was lickmyflaps at hotmail.com <laughs> to be fair I was 13 at the time yeah. my, my to be was... fair like I, like I think I might have had something to do with that too in all fairness as well in all fairness as well to be fair if I was that insulted I wouldn't have used it for 7 years Jesus Christ okay and we shall move into topics 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 v topics dot of bullshit. <laughs> Topic. Shankon. Uh Topic I thought of this week, and the reason being I was supposed to do it last week, but we kind of went over time, so it might have been a wee bit more relevant, but whatever. I was talking about Rafifi last week, which is obviously a film noir, but it's also a heist film. 
and then it got me thinking like I really like heist films you know what I mean so I was kind of going through a list of heist films that I really love like you would look at the likes of Heat the Reservoir Dogs or Rafifi and even though recently Triple Nine has been released and that's sort of a heist film but it's more kind of a crime film but I mean they, they kind of go hand in hand what I was thinking though was that heist films were really really big right up until the early 90s and then I think when it was deconstructed so much with uh, Reservoir Dogs that maybe they kind of went a wee bit out of fashion it was almost like Tarantino was revitalising the heist genre but he done it you know put a different spin on it so what I was thinking is that that's a genre that's kind of died out you don't see many of them anymore one that actually a new TV series uh, Love the Netflix original series there's a kind of running joke in that that uh, the main character what's he called again what, what, not the main character what's the actor's name Oh, it's Paul Rust. Paul Rust, the actor Paul Rust. He is saying that uh, he's making a joke that he wants to be a screenwriter, but his niche as a screenwriter is that he wants to do erotic thrillers, like you know, like, <laughs> yeah, no, but, yeah. like but like, because obviously Basic Instinct and stuff like that were really big in the early nineties, and then he's all, I don't know why, but they just kind of died out. The market doesn't seem like they want. Like, fucking his DVDs, I don't yeah. know. It all. <laughs> does, does, Fuck he, you. does he not make a joke like Michael Douglas stop making them or something? Uh, <laughs> he's all Michael Douglas uh, stop making erotic thrillers, but <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Entrapments is gone. <laughs> But like in the early 90s, they were kind of like a big thing and you know, they were very sexualized and it was kind of, it was probably very gripping for like kind of audiences maybe in the early 90s, but now because we've been desensitized, that sort of stuff, maybe it seems a wee bit tame. And yeah, just, internet pornography sort of yeah, makes sex yeah. a bit too, much of, too readily available. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, it's it's, it's sort of the thing that heist films have kind of fallen by the wayside, uh, erotic thrillers have kind of fallen by the wayside and these were kind of genres that were big maybe for a couple of years and then just kind of died out. And I'm just wondering, and again, it's a personal opinion one, what genre of film do you really enjoy that you have found that they don't really make as much of anymore or they've kind of died out or well, is there is there a certain kind of movement of film that you would like to see more of well completely black exploitation films <laughs> way more and more of those I, I, I want to see the Dolomite sequel and prequel and threequel <laughs> <laughs> exactly no I mean it was actually quite cool whenever Black Dynamite did that you know they took the hand out of this uh, you know this sort of film I mean, it's one of those sort of things now though we live in like a sort of age where I know people directors and everybody are so aware that there is so much films being made that they're always like you know position every genre yeah. i mean even like horror i know horror would be the one that stands out for me like i remember watching suspiria quite recently and it just stood out for me like the, the colors and the way they stand out and uh just the way it sort of got under my skin is not the sort of horror they do now you know the horror right now is all about like you know jump scares fine footage and I, you know you see i'm painting with a broad brush because that's not obviously not always a way we've but we've, you know they're fantastic films we've obviously discussed a good couple of times on this podcast too about who uh, especially as well i think it's more noticeable with horror because i think that they're showing about the best fear of a horror film that kind of gets you like no other genre of film and if I think, you miss it you miss it yeah i think there's one of those things about horror i think it's just the sort of it's almost on in human nature. Do you want to be scared? And I think that people remember horror films. Like, even from people that I talked to when I was growing up, they would always, like, mention, like, oh, I remember, like, getting Evil Dead sure, on cassette. Even, and it even was the same. Like, we showed The Shining, but um, when The Shining was being released, they only released it in certain cinemas. Yeah. And then let the word of mouth kind of spread, and it shows that that works. It was a thing that... It was one of the... Uh, I think one of the things that got me in the film when I was, uh, when I was younger is that uh, my mother was like... She was a huge horror fan. Like, she was 
crazy about the Exorcist and she was crazy about like you know the Friday the 13th and, and Texas especially Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and especially like Halloween and I remember watching Halloween when I was about 10 which I probably shouldn't have done maybe that's what kickstarted the old love for old Kerps but uh, <laughs> I mean she Kerps <laughs> that is the worst <laughs> name ever is, is that your favourite kind of fish Kerps <laughs> love the Kerps but it's a strange that thing that is kind of fish in them yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I know we're going off Magic Kerpman of course <laughs> Or is it a can of Pokemon? Uh. The lines are blurred with me at this stage. <laughs> the last time I seen a real life fish was probably the last time I seen a real life Pokemon. That one for the great outdoors and keeping up. Was that when Pikachu was devouring a carp down the river? Yeah, and like plus man, you. I know there's a mime beside there. Make the coins. Why would you want to speak in cat? They're assholes. Get them, they like shit like mine. <laughs> they, they, they did an episode about that though. Okay. That was the after dark Pokemon. The cats an Meowth. He learned yeah. to talk, but uh, really he can just shit out gold coins. Anyway, Meowth. Sorry, I always get Sorry, we did interrupt. Meowth is an asshole, by the way. Sean, <laughs> <fuck him. laughs> continue. Going back on the, the, the sort of history of her, I think it's a strange thing that. Horror has more noticeably changed through the ages, be it where you have body horror, which was maybe sort of a reaction to like the AIDS epidemic, which is, you know, a, a very wishy-washy sort of academic thing to say, but it, it was mm, in, in many ways. And then you had Gorno, which was basically a reaction to the fact that, you know, people weren't really getting that scared by conventional scare tactics anymore, and you made some really fucking out there, really graphic and then we were saying a good well, couple of was it was like this sort of Gorno says that sort of response as well to maybe you know hearing about like awful things that people are going through and like wars and everything I think it's I mean that's my sort of idea of it like, you know that's why you had this sort of kickback where you had these awful things happening and we actually got to see it Do I don't you know think I, mean? I don't think it's any coincidence that Gorno first came to play right after like the big explosion of the internet and like things like Rotten.com and stuff mm -hmm. like that where people had these really shocking images or these really grisly images on the doorstep and it's the first time they could have seen that sort of stuff and then I think that the movie industry kind of kicked on that and thought you know what the horror films we're making that doesn't scare people anymore so we'll start doing this stuff and then after Gordon which got very tired very quickly and because it just became very formulaic which most horror narratives do they've kind of in recent years after found footage went back the traditional ways of scaring people and stuff like that so horror is always like an ever-changing one and obviously as a genre it's always going to have something different for you so because i guarantee you know it's a way back to like the sort of general supernatural scares i think recently they've had uh the changeling and what you call it one with a possessed doll annabelle and there's it follows it, fo it follows and then obviously the the changeling sequel or sorry the changing sorry uh, the conjurance. The, the I'm saying the changing. The, the conjuring is yeah. like the one of yeah, the Angelina Jolie. The conjuring. Uh, the conjuring is that uh, was an older the thing. Of oh, that's an older film as well. Yeah. They, they have a sequel, that isn't it? Wow. No, that that's about to be released. The conjuring sequel is actually about to be released. Uh, I think it's the next couple of months. Yeah, the, the Enfield Poltergeist. That's what it is. Yeah, but that that's what I'm saying. I think in the past couple of years, even like you had the Exorcism of Emily Rose, which sort of kickstarted that thing. You're going back to a kind couple of, couple of years. That's going back. That's like 2006. But I mean, I think that was further now. That's back. 2004 really well that's that's oh. what I'm saying like there was a kind of mushmash for a while it's where it was two years Harry Jesus Christ the man's just trying to be accurate the man's just trying to be accurate trying to be accurate but I, I think there was a mushmash of you would had a toss up between found footage and then supernatural for a while so obviously that's going to develop then and they saw else the next couple of years there'll be an arm movement in the horror they try and scare people get box office and stuff like that mm. but going on the actual genre 
that is, you would say, horror is like one of the most malleable genres there is. Because, I mean, with thrillers, there's always going to be a certain way to thrill people. And there's always going to be a certain way to shoot fucking bank robberies or, you know, like car chases and stuff like that. So crime, it kind of comes down to the director and the script, the ending, make it sort of different. But can you think of any genre whatsoever that you would like to see more of or you think it's kind of died out or you think deserves more time? I, I definitely can. Um, me, uh, growing up, I'm not sure about you guys, but I grew up on musicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, even, even like, we all kind of grew up learning nursery rhymes and all that kind of stuff, but, like, sound and music, like... like West Side Story. Those kind of films. Cla- like, me, my personal favourite, Calamity Jane. Th- those mm. are the films that really actually started cinema. Yep. Cinema became a thing they wanted to get the the shows. Was well, it a byproduct of theater? Was it? Well, well, yeah. it's, 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 sort of it's a show a byproduct thing, yeah. of like theater and, and vaudeville. And and me me I love I love it. And I got some kind of a a great thing in Pitch Perfect. I think Pitch Perfect was a an actual a great film of our mm. time that the shows. Wasn't that a great film of all time? <laughs> yeah. It's not a sight and no, classic, but like, like, but like I... contemporarily, it kind of made a musical. Like, like Grease, I think before Pitch Perfect was well, the last. Well, it was, it was Chicago was the main one, wasn't it? That sort of came out quite recently. That Chicago, that sort of Chicago it. was great, but Chicago rocks as a stage show. Mm. It really rocks, and I'm oh, talking Pitch about I'm talking so about like movie. a movie oh, show, right, yeah, yeah. like a show, like because me, I, I watch things like. Yeah, you can watch every like Rand, like at Chicago, all the, all those things, Moulin Rouge, Moulin Rouge. Sorry, that's Baz Luhrmann. Love that film. Oh. But there's there's a lot of films like Mamma Mia, etc. That that are just stage show reenactments. Mm. But I think I would like a lot more things like Pitch Perfect. Well, well, what, what, what and it- Calamity Jane that are films that are based on. Music. Musicals are saying yeah, yeah, well, what, rather than what, actually just taking from the stage show. Yeah, yeah. what it's do you what a, do you think of like films like Once or Begin Again or like Rudderless? Where the, well, all of those songs I actually haven't seen them. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> but I think I think that, that that's an interesting they point. They are three films that I'm going to see. It's an interesting point, like, actually. T- like two of them are on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an interesting point Sorry. you brought. It's an interesting point you brought because obviously you got Once and Begin Again with John Kearney, and then a couple weeks back you uh, recommended Sing Street, even though it's only been released the other day, and apparently that's very good as well. They I wouldn't consider them musicals. I would say they're films about music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's but the it's fun- interesting yeah, music. Yeah, they're, they're interesting music because they're films about musicians who are actually playing the music in a live-action setting and they're actually playing the music within that scene as opposed to, as you know, in musicals, the musical kind of takes you out of the real world Yeah, but and goes no. into almost like sort of magic, magic realism. realism. Yeah, magic yeah. realism, exactly. I love magic realism, but I also, like, I am not in any way against, like, bringing that into reality. Like, if, if a band or whatever was going to like score their own film and like have you seen the Spice Girls movie? Oh it's amazing. Quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm joking. But no. That's on Netflix. Also, no. my, just, my, I don't need it because I got it on VHS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have it signed? VHS. No. Call you, can, you can just write like baby and posh on it like nobody, nobody knows it. No one's it. going to know. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a signed copy. Was that actually serious? You know what did did I write, Baby Spice, on my copy? Of no, 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 about Spice Girls. 
It's on. It's on Netflix. Yeah, right? no, 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 no. The film's called Spice World. Right. Let's get it right. Yeah. Let's get it right. Well. It's called Spice World, the movie. Boom. Boom. That's me. Just cool. going on the that, that thing you're saying about uh, musicals. I think city that. Of bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Spice World, city of bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's the sequel. <laughs> but going on the this thing. No, that's Sex and City too. Oh fuck, Sex and City too. You're going on this thing about uh, musicals. I think that if there's ever a genre that's going to find it very, very difficult to become relevant or kind of have a new dawn again in the modern age, it's musicals. Because I think musicals are one of those things like... But they had a good goal. Yeah, they really had a good goal. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Just, just, just work, with <laughs> work with me. Work with me. Just work with me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So I'm just trying to defend. Let there be talk. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the musical... Is one of the, if not the most classic genre, by prior part of the Western in all of Hollywood cinema. The only thing is, is that the Western can modernize himself because the Western kind of deals with real life things, even though they're set in maybe like a sort of desert or a sort of outland country. But you can kind of make them relevant, the kind of modern day or modern struggles, or even make them allegorical. Musicals is very tough because musical, and it's awful they say, and maybe it just as a no, kind of. No, but it is like a dissociation yeah. thing. Maybe, maybe in terms of tone, people like serious things a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, musicals have to be I a bit think more that's off the cuff. Right and well, that's, that's, that's not just right. Oh, no, completely. You're yeah. exactly right. And I think maybe in a couple of years' time, hopefully, like we, we, we will stop being so depressed. Going, like, and at, we'll like, be, there's yeah. certain things that, like, musically, and what. I don't know, like people but that are like that's not that I was going to say. I mean, I the thing that I was going to say, I think the, re- the reason mm. that musicals cannot succeed or the reason that they won't have a new dawn is because, as a people, we have become exceptionally cynical. Whereas before, back in like the kind of golden age of Hollywood in the thirties and forties, this was the sort of entertainment that was being pumped out, and then now that we've become kind of more, it's all they say more downtrodden. It's hard to accept the musical. I think Les Miserables succeeded in many ways because even though it's a musical it's got a very kind of downbeat storyline yeah yeah but it's It's got a very downbeat storyline Mamma Mia I think worked because it was very niche it was ABBA songs it's geared toward middle-aged women and it's it's geared toward nostalgia I can't remember the name of it but someone really recommended me a film fuck what's it called and they were saying it's the best use of an ABBA soundtrack in a film it shits on on me what the fuck's it called I'll get back to you. Yeah, um, well, no, but just the say the, uh, talk about what Sean was saying. But I think, mm. like, we pitch perfect. I think that is modernizing the musical in the sense that it's it's actually giving it a, like a realistic setting that they're in a glee club or yeah. whatever. But then the actual songs, like that, that's completely disconnected from real life. Then I oh, mean, yeah, they yeah. have those fucking like what do you call like the riff sessions or whatever. Or, mm. Oh, they're just coming up with this on the spot. Know, Fuck like, away I off, like you know. What I mean? Yesterday, that there's a reality show based on Pitch Perfect. Of course, um. <laughs> it's all like we meet up in the, the corridors and rap. Yes, and shit. Well, well sure, even I mean, sure, even Pitch Perfect kind of. Pitch Perfect kind of stemmed even off Glee, you know, the TV show. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was out before there. Because when I first seen Pitch Perfect come, coming out, just seen the trailers, it just nearly kind of looked like a ripoff of Glee. Glee. But yeah. then it actually it turned into something way yeah. better. Like, I've seen as well, like, the rise of, like, acapella no, clubs. I think and Glee's quite funny in its own sense. I, I enjoyed all the music in Glee, but then uh, when you actually kind of got the, if you took away the music, it was just a kind of standard, like, teenage drama kind of show. And I it thought... It was Shaky I, Camera and Sue Sylvester. Oh, it was yeah. Sylvester's on real like yeah. very well acted. But yeah, I I just seen the other non musical parts as just basic teenage drama stuff and oh, I just yeah. passed. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. They, like, they, they, the the O C was my time. O C was sweet. That was my teenage drama days. Just imagine. Oh my mine's the Sopranos. Like, uh, 
Misha Barton. Oh my. Well, what, um, what other genres? Can you I I was I was going to bring up the fantasy genre because Ooh. I think when Lord of the Rings came out and obviously it was very successful, you kind of anticipated like there would be this swell of fantasy films, but it kind of went the reverse of Lord of the Rings was so good nobody could really compete with it. Great. Precisely. And then the next one you kind of had coming out of that was The Hobbit, which wasn't as good. But like I still enjoyed The Hobbit, but obviously people have problems with. It. I think definitely Lord of the Rings was a victim of its own success. Not 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 that the actual film was a victim of its own the, success, the but genre. I think that the genre itself, like you were just saying, because I think that just after Lord of the Rings was released, I think it was a year after the first major production of any sort of fantasy thing was Aragorn and that was a complete Awful. piece of oh, shit yeah. and I think the fantasy genre was that, was, was that John Malkovich eh? no was it was uh, it was actually Jeremy Irons uh, he's fucking no Nelford. John Malkovich was in Dungeons and Dragons that's yeah. what I think <laughs> but I think if, if you I said following being out already Dungeons and Dragons yeah oh it was out ages ago I think they're doing a new one I... what are you talking about the one that we watched like eh? a did we not watch a fucking trailer of like some Dungeons Warcraft? Warcraft. War. All right, that's <laughs> like Warcraft last night. It looks around. I think that is definitely going to be. Which is sad as well because of Duncan Jones. You know, because I I thought he was like you know he's a wee bright light there the, for a while in terms of uh, the the, the, mo- the more I, I see with. of it though, like the the trailers still are kind of pretty just kind of substandard traders, but there's there's wee bits in there that kind of like look pretty interesting and it it nearly feels like. They're kind of holding off what the film's actually going to be and you trying know. to make it yeah. like a kind of standard narrative or whatever. Yeah, but I won't, I won't go into too much, but, you know, uh, just being, I used to play Warcraft or I, I sort of know what the crack is of fan base. They should have made that film about seven years ago. Like it, when it was actually yeah. a huge global thing. Warcraft right now is just middling. Do you mean yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, it's making some money. It's doing grand, but you know it used to but, be a worldwide phenomenon. No, but and they're e- way too little. E- even the amount of people that was playing World of Warcraft, even if it's even in its prime. Even if they all went and bought a ticket to go see the film, well, that because they're loser shuttings and they <laughs> the it's like I can play Warcraft or I can watch Warcraft. Maybe oh my it's God. better <laughs> to leave it for a bit, to let the enough, like bite yeah. into the mainstream, and then maybe some more of those people might. Buy I do it. personally think that the Warcraft will be another cough nail in the fantasy genre because it, but fair enough. Well, also the video game genre. And the game John Ryan Wolf. I mean, like that's that's been, that's been dead for it's years ago. I will. Assassin's sort of Creed has has because like it's like the top three people from Macbeth like is doing that mm. now. So. And mm. if it, see if you get that movement right, that would be like fucking amazing. They follow oh, like the parkour see, shit. Yeah, if they parkour it properly high up and get the graphics good, yeah. I would love to watch that. By the yeah. way, I, I actually I actually found the game was quite boring after a while. Like, I thought they were like, oh yeah, like, no, they're they're repetitive but, yeah, games, yeah. but so, the, the draw of the game is like the visual, and that's the, yeah. the best thing in the game. And if they get that in the film and get a narrative, they kind of I see the narrative was very good as well. That, if you stuck like, to the end for the big twist, it was fantastic. No, like, but I mean, yeah. every game has a good twist. I'm up for anything. I'm mass benders with actually. No, but oh, the, it's gonna be good. I really come worry because you saw his dick once. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen a stack. I think it's gonna watch Shane loads like I mean. Yeah, first five minutes especially. Oh, yeah, no Pause. shame, no shame at all. Rewind, repeat. <laughs> but always repeat. See, to be honest with you, in terms of you know video game to films, you know that's why I, I compare it to right. What is the wee fucking smile for? <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna say Street Fighter, Harry? No. That's Harry's fair film. I was going, 
Aye, fucking aye, Bison and Sin just gone. Ah, I'm like, yo, it was Tuesday. Hi, you've, so, you've said to me kind of the same. You thought John Claude Van Damme should be nominated for an Oscar for that role. Fuck off. <laughs> right. Fuck. All right, get back to your original point. Get back to your original point. This man changed the point. Right. Hi, I changed I'm, I'm telling you to get back on track. Right. I'm trying to save your fucking thing. I know. But it was way back in 2009 when you done bought Arkham Asylum. I do, yeah. That's why I compared Batman to last last night in the cinema. I Damn. compared him to the kind of Batman that was in the Arkham games. V, 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 what are you v, v, talking v. about? Hi, well, where's this point going? <laughs> We're talking about old genres of films. No, you, no, but you, you're t- no, but you started talking about video game films. Aye, it was, you know, in, compar- in comparison to fucking, you know, Mortal Kombat, which are fucking abysmal. So you yeah. think that the new Batman was a quite akin to the video game? Yes. Do you, all right. right, so basically what you're saying is, do you think that Zack Snyder, who you think is a gamer? Yeah. Hey, so Zack yeah. Snyder is oh, a gamer? Oh, he definitely is. Look at the way he edits. He definitely yeah. is. Do you think <laughs> then that do you think then he's taken a lot out of, is it Ubisoft? Is that who does no, the no. Ubisoft? No. Uh, Rocksteady. Rocksteady. So well, you, do you think he's taken... games. It's Warner Brothers games. Do you think he's yeah. taken a lot off, uh, well, basically that, that, that game developer and, and kind of developing Batman style? Well, I would, I would kind of agree. I mean, like, no, I've only ever played more the first one. Fighting sounds more acrobatic in comparison to what... Backflips and Star Jones, though? Nah. <laughs> but uh, it goes back to what you said, that that Batman is a brawler, and that's that's the way you feel in them games as well. It's because you're, like, you're just surrounded by fucking 10 boys or whatever, and they kindly line up and you beat them up one by one. But every action film ever. It's better than 10 boys to line up and you beat them off one by I one. Know, like Well, a more satisfying off. game than that is the, the new fucking Lord of the Rings game. Like uh, Shadow game. of Mordor. Oh my God. It's, good, that, it's not like you can even, you have to run away sometimes. Like you have to run away. Like, you're oh, you are, oh, I'm fighting the orcs. Yeah, no, I'm fucked. There's no <laughs> oh, too many. because that's that's it's more realistic. That's WB games as well. So that actual the fighting mechanics are just based off yeah, the Batman yeah, ones. Yeah. Oh, you just to say as well. We were talking about you know obviously genres that uh, have maybe gone out of a uh, what's the word style, and then maybe we might want to see them again. There's a there's something to be said, and I don't know. I don't really even get into them until maybe my early 20s but there's something really really lovely about just a hands-on <laughs> oh no I was well that way before my early 20s that much. I was he, said early. he said hand and it was all <laughs> no hand you know, the, you know the, old, the old hand-drawn idiot. animation you know in terms of like Lady and the Tramp and they're sort of I know how uh, innocent and naive and I, I, there's something about it so much, you, like you know, especially uh, the one thing I really love about Lady and Trump. It always sticks out for me as being one of my favorite hand-drawn animations. Is that everything you always see from the waist down? It's the perspective of the dogs, and it's just the sort of thing that just runs through that it just constantly just relaxes me. Completely I like, amazing hangover. I like I, I like the word that you use there now. Sorry, are you going to say something, Kiva? I just wanted to say I know you're you have this romanticized view about this animation style, and it is beautiful, and it it really is nice, but. Uh, the way that animation is drawn, they have a main animator for each character, and they do the main stances, and then they have people called tweeners, which have to do every stance in between. So it's it's really like a hard job for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, compared to computers like, and everything. Like someone know, yeah. goes like, and they draw this, and then they're bringing in these artists that they're paying like apps. At the time, they were paying not that well, mm. you know, but. 
All I know is complete nostalgia from my perspective. Like, it really is. I, just I like, so you know, like, yeah. a lot of hard work goes into Oh, completely, yeah, definitely. I think as well, though, maybe it's because uh, I remember, like, watching when I was very, very young. You know, maybe, like, from, like, 47. My mother used to put on, like, you know, probably fucking no, Cinderella yeah. for my sister. But, you know, it just, sort of, it, it always, just, it always taps just... into those fairy tales tap into your sort of head. And even though how gorgeous and how amazing the messages in Pixar, it just doesn't get me the same way. But I guarantee if I was seeing loads of these animated films, I would probably want more Pixar I mean yeah. it's always one of those sort of things I personally yeah, think and just just the thing that you're kind of going on there now too and I think the perfect word you use is innocence I mean not only is it a kind of nostalgia blast they look at films like The Lion King or Laying the Tramp and these classic hand drawn animations but what I think it is is that when you look at how good technology is now and how fucking unbelievably well we can recreate essentially real life through uh, stop motion and stuff like that I think sometimes when you're watching animations these days even though you know they're an animation even though you know they're stop motion sometimes they're a bit too real life and I think there's just something nice about going back that time period of innocence and sometimes you just it actually looks otherworldly it doesn't look real it, it looks like something that's actually been created as opposed to just people standing and moving and then you know these layers of fucking digital images being put over them and don't get me wrong I fucking absolutely love all the stop motion I love Pixar I love everything that DreamWorks mm. has done and stuff you're like saying that. stop motion Oh, sorry, not even stop. Sorry, not even stop motion. But I know, but stop motion. I know, but like stop, stop motion is is more yeah, like that, a nostalgic that's, that's more thing. Like, CGI, like yeah, stop motion is uh, they take a photograph every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be like sorry, Boston Grammar. What, what, what I'm sorry, well. sorry, what I'm saying stop motion. I mean, I mean like three D animation. Yeah, I mean, give me what I'm But like what I'm saying, three D animation and and stuff like that. I think when you look at a lot of three D animation, especially modern like DreamWorks and Pixar, I think sometimes it looks about too real now I'm saying that that's not a bad thing but you cannot hark back then to the times like remember the first time when you watched like The Lion King the first time you watched maybe even Dumbo or Bambi and maybe it is a nostalgia thing but it felt like this was someone completely adversity in real life it's like someone that you'd never seen before and this was like a Norway world that you can maybe possibly go on to but now you think that animation and the technology that is developing is becoming so good and so precise at animating real life then it's it's hard to actually see the sort of the difference, you know, the the, the parallel between them. Yeah. I uh, I think that's true, and I think that's why why Pixar is uh, not not Pixar, sorry, Ghibli, Studio Ghibli is getting super popular right now because yeah. people are trying to get that that throwback and that relaxation and that niceness that you. Yeah, and no, I'm not saying every animated film or every animated narrative is going to have a nice story, but. It lends itself nicely to mm. a nice story. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like, I know, I mean, if you're going to make an animation, then it might as well be very escapist. And, you know, fair enough, they can do like, you know, but in saying this as well, I mean, like, fair enough, Pixar do a very good job, you know, talking about Monsters, Inc., and you know, oh, they uh, fucking rock. They're, uh, the, they're, fantastic. they're the creme de crop. But man. I know, I, I think it, may, it must be nostalgia completely. You know, and I just really want hand drawn yet again. I just, I just want to be seven again, man. Yeah. Before, before it's like a whole room me. It's, I think it, it's just it is. It, it's a bit slower. Like it is a bit slower, mm. and and the resolution's a bit lower. I think as well. It does hark back that key word that you says that it is innocence. I mean, when you're harking back the kind of early, even thinking back that sort of nostalgic period when you first can experience these animations. It's almost like you were young. That's the first time you experienced that world. It was innocent. You actually thought that these worlds could have existed. And now, maybe because obviously you've got a more adult mind stuff like that, and you're more you know in the know that you see these uh, Pixar animations. That it's like well, it just it looks like real life, and you can kind of tell you know how they've done every wee sort of aspect of it, and you can kind of tell you can see like actual body movements. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice seeing 
the jolts and sometimes it's nice when it doesn't look real. Now, fair enough. Uh, well, that's, what, that's what The Simpsons sounds like. Though. Yeah, so. and, I, and I think as well that Disney have went through a period in the past couple of years where they have re- actually released a couple of actually uh, classically hand-drawn animations. Like they had The Prince and the Frog. And they I think had, it was the last one they did. I think, I, but that's that's a lot, and that's actually about five or six years ago now. So I think, yeah. in a very very sad way, it seems like now it's kind of dying out. But like it always is in any sort of art form or any sort of culture, I do think that maybe ten or fifteen years down the line, people will then have a pang for nostalgia, and like, you'll see this outpouring of hands like on so, again. Like just so people know, the the people who are those tweeners, who are the people who are like kind of gifted and drawn, they're always getting work because even digital work. They need tweeners as well, so mm. it's not like, it's not like, all oh, the computers like stop. Oh, it does the whole the thing? Is that pre-rendered? You know, yeah. Th- these are things that people are drawing digitally. They're just using different mediums. They're oh. not painting it and scanning it. They're digitally. That's a hundred percent. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not questioning the actual craft that goes into them. I'm not questioning, and I'm actually delighted that you know actually these people are still getting the work. I'm just saying that how it actually looks as a finished product. Is so very very real life. It, no, it, it looks absolutely incredible, and that's obviously the way technology wants to go is that they want to make animation as real life as possible. But then sometimes, like I've said a couple of times now tonight, I, I just there's a bit of a want for animation to look like animation again of and course. not look as real life, you of know course. what I mean? And because I think that's, that's why what animation was originally invented to be yeah. like a sort of escapism to another world, this colorful, overly saturated land that you can go to, whereas now you. Like but I mean, saying, even think about it this like way, like we, we can digitally represent realism, so you can, yeah, whereas animation used to be an escapism, yeah. now it can be a kind of realistic tool, yeah. and then what can you do with that? I think that's really interesting, 100%. like what, where can you go with? The realism that animation yeah. brings. Well, it's actually, it's actually and it's kind of. Talk to Bob Semeckis. <laughs> <laughs> I know that guy, but. No. <laughs> give me his number. Dead Ice and he. Robert Semeckis uh, did, like, uh, Polar Express and, like, the Christmas Carol and all, like, all oh, those right. really realistic motion capture things. And so he's really pushing the actual full on realistic thing of it. Motion but capture? That's what I meant when I was saying it's not motion. <laughs> I meant motion capture. Anyway, continue. <laughs> But uh, aye, so he he's he's pushing that for because even if you look at something like the walk and stuff like it, all the visual effects in that air, like he's just big and they kind of pushing that technology forward. But then you you seen it in the third Hobbit film where oh, I, don't, but, Mikey, I, don't. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen the third Hobbit film? <laughs> Billy Connolly's character yeah. is completely CGI. R.I.P. He's not dead yet. Yet. I will Do you know <laughs> something? <laughs> Cry He's many very ill. I know it's so sad. Black Eye dies tonight, and I'm two, going straight in the phone. But I, his his character is completely CGI in a live action setting, and the character does look super realistic. But they never they never stay on him until like for more than like a second or yeah. something. But you do get that uncanny valley thing where it is unsettling, yeah, yeah. and it's just too realistic. Real. And but you know that something's off. Yeah, have you ever seen a Scanner Darkly? Yes, love that I, song. Yeah, I, I love. It. I mean, Philip K. Dick's like one of my favorite uh, authors. Roto motion, the way they rotoscope. Uh, uh, rotoscope. rotoscope. Is, yeah. is that the way yeah. they do it? Yeah. But I, it's it's so yeah. They they very sh- well done. They shoot it all and then draw over it. 
Basically. That's it's absolutely incredible. But you know, if we're talking about you know in this cynical time using animation for maybe our cynical purposes, it, it's the one film that stands out to me. But that you know the, so the well same done. person who we talked about this before, like uh, Wake and Life. What, yes. what do you call it? Is it Wake and Life? Uh, it was Wake and Life, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the same people who, who made A Scanner Darkly. Mm. And, uh, but I, A Scanner Darkly really stood out for me as being, it, it, it's actually a very strong film, I think. You know, I really, really enjoyed it. Is it just me? Cause you're all no, 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 yeah. I go off more about it if you want. Like, like, it's, like it's, I mean, uh, I mean no, it has these sort of questions that Kaydek always talks about, you know, in terms of like identity or your sort of a, what do you mean to your fellow man? What does authority mean to any of us? And plus, but it, does it has in a very like interesting way. super, super good acting pieces. Like Woody Harrelson, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, uh, Harrelson, yeah, Keanu Reeves. Like mm. one of the writers actually fucking really good in that film. Like really, really it's good. So it's so weird to turn around and say, "Oh, she's very good in film," which she is, and every single scene and every single expression she has is drawn of her. Mm. Yeah, it, it raises questions, doesn't it? About like you know. Well, well, the same, you know, the, uh, the woman out of Avatar, she was you nominated. You just said they had, the guys just had a role, like. Sorry. Oh, no, I don't mean specifically Winona one, one Ryder. I mean the exact same, but everybody in yeah. that. Oh, yeah, no, no, sorry. I wasn't just specifying her. I mean, everybody in that film, you turn me oh, yeah, Woody Harrelson, like, he did an amazing version of character. But, but I mean, did. but he, no, he did, but it's drawn over. So it's like, well, so they is can it all. change things. Yeah, yeah. but it might. They, like, they do change things. And again, yeah. it poses that question which the Academy has been, or not even the Academy, but the movie industry has been wrestling with for the past maybe 10 years is that should you take, be it a motion capture or be it an animated or role motion or a stop motion <laughs> or a stop motion role and, and actually yeah role. who's performance and I, well, I, I, I personally swing in the way that it is the but actor there was a thing about that we in the film Blood Diamond I can't remember the actress's name but they actually added a digital tear on her face see, during that a scene see, that makes it awkward that, that that's like, weird arguments, mm. yeah. because she she that. couldn't create the emotion enough to Put out a tear, oh, but, but then they but put a tear on her face. Is it necessary to have a tear to create that emotion? Like, I would say that's it because, like, you could watch that scene and be oh, all because oh, she's super the, upset. It's fine. No, but like the one single tear always gets me. Just when you have one tear rolling down someone's face, I offer oh, fuck's sake. Oh, it is. I love it. <laughs> see, see, Vince Vaughn in the breakup kills me every time. <laughs> but you're like, oh, don't tell them about the breakup. I, that. That. I, mean, I, I, I genuinely think that you can have a good acting role and not have to cry. Like, yeah. I, th- I think you can. Perceive that emotion. A sadness, yeah. you know, you yeah. actors. Yeah, yeah. But probably, I mean, a tear is important. No, I do agree. Mikey, we all know as well. You, you are a big delicate flower. Like. I am a big. Yeah, big delicate flower. I, I, I've <laughs> never cried just one tear. I mean, maybe if I sneeze very hard, I might cry one tear. Oh. But that's about it. Like, <laughs> so that's the only thing that makes you cry. It's a bad. No, sneeze. no. <laughs> I either sneeze no tear or sneeze no tears. I either cry. I sneeze no, no tears. I sneeze <laughs> no tears. <laughs> Put that on my grave. No, I either, either cry no tears or I cry all the tears. That's it. Like, well, you've told I me about it. some very emotional poos you've done. Oh my! <laughs> some just sad, cr- sad poos. Crying at your arsehole. No, no. I don't want to cry one tear. I'll cry one tear. I, I know, I do it all the time during films because I've seen, I've seen Mickey cry one tear. <laughs> Mickey, Mickey, Mickey was close to crying one tear during the Oscars. Like a couple of times what? you were close to it. I know, was I? <laughs> oh, they really deserve best animation. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Lady Gaga deserved that best song. Lady Gaga did deserve that best song. But anyway, fuck it. 
Did Lady Gaga win an Oscar? No, I'd see the whole Sam Smith thing as well about him saying that not an openly gay man has won an Oscar. Then completely untrue. Somebody actually fucking Googled it and was like, I know Stacks people. Oh, <laughs> like, stack. uh, Is Sam Smith gay? Sam Smith, you fucking cock. Okay, and we'll go into recommendation. Ah, Jesus. It's a recommendation. <laughs> oh, oh, I got this recommendation. It hurts so bad. <laughs> but, I just, it just got to get it out of me. <laughs> Write the recommendations. <laughs> hey man, you got some recommendations? <laughs> <laughs> I got these good recommendations, man. Oh, man. You want to try? I got recommendations. Who like, want them? I, I would take weirdest. Who want them recommendations? I got, I got the, all these things. You want a recommendation? You can handle the recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I mean, you know, you know I'm good for a game of recommendations. Jack Hogg, give me. You know I'm good for me. Well, oh, my, <laughs> my recommendation what? this week is uh, The Fog by John Carpenter, 1981. Uh, the reason I say by it is... By John who? John Carps. <laughs> Carpenter. Carp. Uh, is he actually dog. a carpenter? Well, do we not see if we're going to keep this to 30 seconds, though? Right, well, you yes. can say a quick question, Jesus I or no. I would absolutely love if he was a carpenter, but unfortunately he is not. But he the is son, a fucking... The son of God is a carpenter, as they say. And that's what this man John is. John Carpenter, obviously, Carpenter. he is the son of God of the Second fucking comic and world. Bang. But... The reason I say it is uh, if you ever want to see atmosphere being made through a fucking setting and making a setting a character, then that is the perfect way to do it because the actual villains of the fog who are essentially zombie pirates do not show up until like the last fucking 20 minutes. Marines! <laughs> Marines! But it's just, it's a great way to show uh, a character through uh, an atmosphere and a setting. Crack and film, not as scary as what your fucking modern day films will be, but at the same time, it's very, very good. And it's John Carpenter, so obviously give it a go. And obviously, the setting's so good, he named the film after it. Boom! <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I like to talk about the raid. I mean, even the raid two as well. Sure, I'll throw them on with the thirty seconds. I fucking there's, there's there's probably a box set out there. Ah, uh, yeah, somewhere. But no, uh, the raid's absolutely fantastic. It's a uh, Garth Evans, uh, a Welsh director. Gareth and, Evans. Gareth uh, Evans. Hmm? Gareth Evans. Yeah, Gareth Evans. Uh, he went over to uh, it was Indonesia. Am I right? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, he went to Indonesia and he married these sort of two styles of uh, you know the sort of kung fu film, but also with the sort of gritty realism that you get in sort of a uh, more western based films in terms of like uh they have the acrobatics and the sort of choreography but it's really married with a sort of really intense sometimes very shocking violence uh it's absolutely fantastic in terms of like there's some set pieces in there and it's, the movie seems to move from set piece to set piece all the way along and it just keeps you on the edge of your seat there's a very slim plot that it does hold up with the way it builds up its characters uh but even between the two films uh i'll say this right now it's a subtitle film. I took my father to see it. He was raging with me when I took him to see it. And he came out and said it's one of the best films I've ever seen. I literally think The Raid is right up there with one of the best action films I've ever seen. It's right up there. Terminator Absolutely. 2 and Die Hard. It, they're the top three in my mind. I, I, if you watch this, you see, I can't even give spoilers because all the spoilers is, is Hambrecken Boys. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, it's a fantastic film. And to be fair as well, though, I mean, we're in a day and age now where like a lot of films are very well shot, very well rated. This has it. It's very good tone, really good lighting. But I, yeah, Kiva. I don't want to say like too much about the the film after you just said, but it has some of the best action sequences that I've seen since Old Boy. I, I like, yeah, I literally talk. gasped. Like, I remember gasping in the it's cinema. Some, like <clears throat> it, it's impressive. That's all. Not like that. I'm getting. I I remember literally, like, you know, being like, Jesus, <gasps> dude. Did you also faint? 
No, I didn't faint. He, uh, he I, I did write a strong word of letter. Of all his faints. <laughs> James Harrison. Oh shit! Sorry, Harry. Nobody knows your name. You're like Bono or something. Uh, really? Like, he's undercover CA. Yeah. <laughs> Follow me. I would like to recommend this True Lies. What a tune! What's that? What a tune? What is it? Tune of a film? Man, it's, it's your thirty film? seconds. You use it. It's a film. Hi, James Cameron. A very unusual one for James Cameron. Though. Jimmy it's, a spy, it's a spy film though. With Arnie. And a very sexually attractive Jimmy Lee Curtis. You think so? That's, I? That's, oh, I guess. The whole bedroom Jesus scene. Which she's like grinding she's on When she falls over when she's dancing. Though. Oh, yeah. So that wasn't scripted as well, was it? I know. Really? No. I know. She's just like Arnie. She's just a clumsy That's why she's my Arnie. Rushes forward whenever she falls over. I just thought he was a good actor. Did you ever see Emma Thompson on Jonathan Ross? <laughs> you remember the third second review? Are, 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 are you recommending Ross? Somebody give a call to Ross. Graham Norton. Graham Norton. Nasty ass. Emma Thompson. Whoa. Arnie, a good actor. She goes, is he a good actor? No. Just simple as. Who's Emma Thompson? She's your one who frees Daniel Lewis and the name of father. Aye. I'm going out the front door with Jerry. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm going out the front door with Jerry. I like Emma Thompson. She's great. She's a crack She's also... She said the name of the father. Gerard. No, she doesn't say it, but I'm just saying fucking Daniel Lewis's line aren't her. Fuck's sake. No, he, okay. he doesn't say that. No, her, her main line's Obviously, like, fucking Daniel Lewis don't say Right, stop. Unnecessarily Emma Thompson break. Yeah, okay. Keep it swinging. All right, my recommendation is Ginger Snaps. Boom. So, uh, first of all, you got to buy the biscuits, Ginger Snaps, <laughs> and then you got to watch the film called Ginger Snaps. And you got to crush them with your fucking yeah. eyeballs just... Oh. Well, you could do that if you want. I would recommend it also. Uh, it's I, I it's a, a film about uh, two sisters who are quite obsessed with death. Um, and sex. But death and sex, but not really sex at the start. But one of them, one of them, gets her goddamn period. Oh, and uh, she gets nature. bitten by a werewolf. Oh, my God. And uh, oh, she actually turns into a werewolf and then starts trying to eat people. And that's where the following goes. It's definitely worth a watch. Does she, she get bit in the couch? They're from a small <laughs> Canadian town. Asking the true questions, Mickey. Yeah. No, don't, I, I don't know. It doesn't show you. Oh, so right. she could. But it's definitely worth It's It's got pretty bad graphics. Um, It's got a pretty bad story. But it's pretty <laughs> fun. It's No, no, no. Like, there, there's... The, the acting's very good on it. Yeah. The acting's yeah. super good on it. That's kind of what saves it. Is it like sci-fi shit? <laughs> no, no, well, no. What I mean, sci-fi well, no, shit. It's, it's I fantasy. Shark the post shit. Have you been listening to anything? Yes, no, I have been listening no, it's, to it. No, it's not sci-fi. It is itching horror. No, I don't no but he means sci-fi as in the channel because they put oh, out like Sharknado and shit. Did you actually oh, mean the yeah. sci-fi? Well, no, no, no. I mean, I mean... Although really, the first time I, I seen it was on sci-fi. I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess. Is that, that kind of... No, those kind of effects? <laughs> no, it's probably <laughs> a bit worse than those effects. Worse? It's an older film, Harry. It's oh. a it's an old film and it's that's a low okay. budget. They they didn't have no. Well, well, okay well that's, that's okay. It's not well. Okay, by oh, you. That's all right. right. Okay. Right by you. But I mean, okay. that doesn't like. I mean, the story still stands. 
The story Shit. feels silly, but it's Shit. super fun. It's well worth a watch. Boom. Ginger snaps. Awesome. Um, my recommendation is something that I actually watched a few weeks ago, and we were talking about it, but I think it's very apt since we were talking about Batman v Superman in this episode that uh, the death of Superman lives what happened. It's the documentary where John Schnepp, uh, the director, went and talked to everybody about the film that didn't happen, a Superman film that didn't happen, The Death of Superman Lives. It was going to be directed by Tim Burton, starring Nicolas Cage as Superman. It goes in, it goes really in depth and because they, they were really far in their production, like they were weeks away from actually going into production. It was they have loads of pre-production stuff, loads of concept art. They have so much money involved already. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, because like uh, actually, Superman, Stripped, wrote, wrote everything, su- yeah. su- Superman, oh. aye, they, they had three script writers on. Like Kevin Smith was the first one, and they had two other ones as well. But uh, he talks to everybody that was involved in the film, apart from Nicolas Cage. He didn't get Nicolas Cage, but he gets Tim Burton, he gets John Peters, the producer, he gets Kevin Smith. Obviously, <laughs> he'll do whatever. I, I will. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's... he probably volunteered for folks. Like... <laughs> I know. Make this film, <laughs> please. But I'm still relevant. But it's 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 a really interesting film, and it's just it's just really cool to see just the the concepts they're coming up with, and just the, they actually have footage of Nick Cage in the Superman suit, and he has big mad Cameron Poe hair at the time, and so yeah, it's it's great stuff to see. So sweet, not I know, it's interesting to see. Because you, you always see it with the inner work in the cinema, but you never really see it from the perspective of, you know, the Hollywood blockbuster. There's a photo right there, buddy. Yeah. Oh, I'm actually seeing it now. Yeah, you need to get it up, Mickey, because that looks unreal. That's the <laughs> film I want to go see. Did you ever hear Nick Cage do this joke? Uh, whenever he was hanging out with Charlie Sheen, Charlie Sheen used to be going out with the uh, the porn star Brie Olsen at that time, personal favourite of mine. But uh, whenever, like, uh, he is, apparently Nick Cage has a massive langer on him, and he's just trying to be all, sorry, I can't, I can't really see my watch. Could you tell the time? But he would have his dick draped over his wrist, and he would have it at waist level. Into the microphone. Yeah, he would have really? his dick draped over his wrist, and he would have it like eye level. And he'd say, oh, sorry, I can't read my watch. Can you tell the time? So when people turn around to look, and they expect to see a watch, they see his cock. Cock watch? Yeah, but apparently that was Nicholas Cage. That's what, obviously, he was up the old time, sure. when he was like, they, apparently they, doing loads of coke. They see, they see, they they see dick cage. Dick cage. They never did meet him. <laughs> <laughs> right, here, right, I was speaking, I was talking, talked about like this it's about uh showing Nicholas Cage's Clark Kent. Oh why I most you can blast that, that up on the actual really awful it actually does look horrendous. <laughs> I mean, to say, when, we, when we seen when we seen Henry fucking Cavill last night as what Superman should probably look like and then you have that scrawny long haired Nicholas Cage with a fucking zoot suit on <laughs> and that definitely no, should not, not be the kryptonite the kryptonite. He would have been good. He named his son Kal-El for credit. <laughs> Fuck off. Anyway, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you like in contact with us, you know, send us pictures of things that you talk about. Postcards. 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 Did, did you sound uh, like postcards? E-cards. Slugs. Emails, slugs. I'm all for slugs. I love slugs. I, I'll happily. I'll, I'll talk about really the slugs. I really want a meme. If I don't get to send me a meme, I'll be dead happy. Also, I know I know our personal favorite man. If anybody wants to send in any opinions on water features and what they feel about them, I'm all fat. Gee, serious, man. I, I was going to bring it up. I'm a big fan of koi. Koi carp. Kale as well. I'm really? a big man about kale. I, so anybody, any Dan, listener out there? Yo. I'm a really big fan of koi, but I never really like to bring it up. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're my koi mixtress. <laughs> anyway, Jesus. you can send all your koi talk to <laughs> you find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. 
You can also leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, Acast, and Stitcher Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Yes. Shanko has been Shanko. Yeah, yeah. DK has been DK. Keep us Shwinny has been Keep us Shwinny. And Hari has been blocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Episode 47, baby. Thank you so much for listening. A good bye. Do you ever think of Kevin Smith wakes up every morning wide-eyed and thinking, oh my god, it's still the 90s and then realises he's irrelevant? <laughs> he's not irrelevant. He's You're literally sitting in a fucking gazebo tent in huh? like the bog side in Derry during this huge recession you're saying, oh, does Kevin Smith really still If you're vinegar and really successful people. Hey man, I'm an unemployed warrior, man. By the way, <laughs> that's all we can do. There's no but unless yeah. we make fun of people that's less successful than us. <laughs> this is our power, Dan. This is our power. Oh yeah, you ever look at bums? <laughs> I, I essentially am a bum like <laughs> 